Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so before we get going today, um, you know, we're going to be talking about two different types of nature, uh, things that we need to see in ourselves, how the Lord tells us repeatedly to turn from the old man into the new man. So um, I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures. Um, this is totally about the born again experience and having the nature of Christ and not the nature of the beast, because the Bible makes very clear that man without God is a beast. So let's get started and go to Matthew uh, 25 and verse 31. All right. So Matthew 25 and 31, and it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set uh, the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. For I was um, in hunger, like I was hungry, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. Uh, I, was, I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked and, yet, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came upon me, I mean, came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, uh, when saw we uh, thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we uh, thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye have done it unto one uh, of the of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall ye say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, uh, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So this tells you here separation between the goats and the uh, sheep. That the Lord is going to make at the end. This would be also like the, the wheat and the tares. All right, then it says, For I was in hunger, and ye gave me not meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did not, I mean, did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. 
and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. So the Lord is speaking about two different types of nature here. And everybody thinks about paying their tithes and offering and everything, even though tithes themselves are not even scripture in the New Testament. But everybody wants to go into that. But, you know, it's it's the overall law that Jesus is speaking about here, loving one another, loving your neighbor as yourself and loving your Lord. John had asked the question, how can a man say that he love his Lord every day? I mean, he can um, see his neighbor every day and say that he loves the Lord and hates his neighbor. So, you know, there's definitely a nature that has to change in us where we have to be made right in Christ. All right, so from here, we're going to go on to 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to do this, and then we're going to go into prayer. We're going to cover 2 Peter chapter 2. I think this sums it up, what we're going to be discussing today. Because man without God is a beast. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says, But there were false apostles also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So these are those who are leading people astray, not in the ways of God, doing what they want. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom of the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So you speak the truth today and you'll be hated. You got people in church that don't even want to hear Jesus Christ. Then you have to question how many people have been born again. Mm -hmm. Verse 3, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So this talking about people that would make merchandise off of you with false doctrine. Now, who can do that other than a beast or the beast nature than to have respect for God and love the people of God? For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and eighth, the uh, eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So if you were truly born again and you were in Christ, you cannot be a righteous person and be with the wicked. The Lord separated Noah. He told Noah you needed to be a way to build the ark. Noah was known as a man that was perfect in his generations, and we're going to cover that. But Lot himself, the Bible says, although he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, he was a righteous man, being in the communication and conversation and being among those of the nature of the beast, uh, vexed his righteous soul and really messed Lot up. So you can't afford to be in these things. The Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? Verse 9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. 
So that's frightening. If the Lord knows how to deliver those who are godly from temptation, then we ought to seek him for everything so we don't fall. Mm -hmm. But he says he reserves the unjust until the day of judgment. So, you know, it's a frightening thing to fall in the hands of a, of a, a vengeful God, yeah. angry God. Verse 10, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Kind of what we're talking about. All this false doctrine, this whole homosexuality agenda where they're pushing, you know, their whole belief system about what they think is right or what they think is just. Mm -hmm. This nation has no fear of God whatsoever and the laws that they put in play shows you this. So this is a nature of the beast going against the seed of God where they dare you to speak about homosexuality, where they dare you to say anything about what they're against. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is as a Christian, we got to stand on the truth because it'll be God's seed versus the seed of the serpent. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these are natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed. Uh, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. So in comparison here in verse 11, they're talking about how the angels themselves are, you know, even with all their power, they're greater than us. I think in one um, Bible, I mean, one uh, Bible story, I think 13,000 angels killed, um, I mean, well, one angel killed like 13,000 or 30,000 men. Mm -hmm. So that tells you that the angels were made in greater power than us. And even they know not to speak railing accusation against God or anything like that. But he calls the people of this earth as natural brute beasts without God. They have no concern. And like I said, I believe they're the devil's child. I believe that everyone that does not go through the born again process is the devil's child until the Lord redeems him if they would allow him to. Mm -hmm. Verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are blemishes, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Now this is important because he's saying that the unrighteous will be amongst the righteous. You know, these people have no fear of God. They think it's good to riot in the daytime. You know, rioting can be like drunkenness, partying, just loose, saying anything you want to say, doing anything you want to do. But he says spots they are and blemishes because we know that God said at the end of time, he's going to raise a church without spot or blemish. So this is something that we need to pay attention to. And he said that they will even feast with you. So, you know, your enemy could be sitting among you. Peter understood this because he was at the table of the Lord's Supper with Judas, who was, you know, possessed with a devil, sitting amongst them about to betray Christ. Exactly. So we have to have a spirit of discernment and know that which is around us. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they, they have exercised, with covetous practices, cursed children. So that tells you here that these people won't be able to stop from sin, that this is what they enjoy, and they beguile unstable souls. It's kind of like what a pimp would do to a prostitute. It's kind of like what someone that just wants to have their way at the expense of you 
that they'll come and if you don't know the truth, they'll come and make you a victim. Mm -hmm. So these are things that we have to be aware of. Verse 15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam uh, to honor of Bosa, I mean the son of Bosa, uh, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So this is even comparing it. So you can't say about one saved, always saved, because it's not true. He says that these people knew the way, but decided to go their own way. And what is it? It's the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. It's the nature of the serpent that Adam and Eve partook in. Fallen man. Verse 16. But was rebuked for his iniquity and dumb ass speaking of with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a, a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. So this is the Lord saying that this is the fate of all of them that don't want to hearken unto the voice of God, that won't be born again, taking on the nature of God and what he calls for us to do. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they are lured through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So you see, you got to come out of the world to be born again. Mm -hmm. He's saying escape from them that are in error. You know, filthy, um, uh, corrupt communicate. What is it? Corrupt, cor corrupt communicate. No, filthy communication. Communication, corrupt, corrupt good manners. Yeah. So that's something that the Lord wants us away from and outside of. All right. Uh, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. So this is telling you you have to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the three things. If you don't overcome them, then they will lead you into bondage. There is no playing both sides of the fence. You're either of the woman's seed or of the serpent's seed. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end uh, is worse than the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now Jesus covers this in Luke 11. We'll go over that, you know, when we get the a little in a little while. But this is telling you that you can't afford to play around with sin when you're made clean. You have to be through with it because to walk in those ways again, you'll be tougher to redeem. This is what Peter is about to explain. Verse 21, for it had been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is, but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the cell that was washed uh, to her wallowing in the mire. So, you know, this is talking about two different types of nature. Um, that came from uh, Solomon, where he spoke of Proverbs of a dog returning unto his vomit. So if no one has anything to add, I guess we'll get started in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. I'm grateful for this time, Lord, that I get to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you have kept us in good health and perfect peace. 
I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Ghost, Lord, fall mightily on this group, that we may have an understanding of your, what your word says, and to open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears who can't hear. Lord, that this message will not go in vain, that when your spirit speaks, Lord, that we will have all an understanding and we will draw closer to you. I'm asking in the name of Jesus right now that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, hatred, malice, Lord, every antichrist spirit, every spirit of rejection, Lord, all things that go against your body and your people, let them be put beneath your feet, Lord, at this time, and that you may have dominion over all things, for you are the King of kings, you are the Lord of lords, you are almighty God, you are faithful, just, and true, and worthy to be praised. Lord, I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called uh, Enmity Between the Woman Seed and the Serpent Seed. So this should be a pretty good and uh, detailed study. You know, I think we'll all get something out of it. But um, before we get going, I know that Melissa's, Melissa's going to sing and um, Christina's going to present something. So um, I guess we'll get started with Melissa first. I guess she'll sing and then uh, Christina will come on. But it should be a really good study and I'm looking forward to it. We're going to learn a lot about what's of God and what's not of God. Okay, so should be good. Whoa! 
Christina, um, she's going to come up and present, and then from there, we'll get right into the study. All right. So I tried to shorten up what I wanted to share today. <laughs> um, there's, I was getting into it, and there's so much on it. And um, let's go to Luke 8, 15. I'm just going to share one, this one scripture. And then I'm going to break it apart in depth. So Luke 15. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. So the first line, but that on the good ground are they. So good ground is like the soil, which where we plant seeds. So who has heard of... Um, what you reap is what you sow. What you sow is what you reap. Okay, so the power, or the sower proclaims the gospel. So that's someone who plants seed, um, goes and talks in, about scripture to people out there in the world, no matter what, and tries to plant the gospel into people. And if you hear it and receive it, that's kind of that transformation in your heart that turns over to the Lord. There's different types of um, soil that we can have. I learned from going into this deep, deeper, and different type of ground. So there's the um, person who hears the word and just rejects it immediately. will have nothing to do with it. There's the person who hears it quickly, accepts it, but then as soon as persecution comes, they reject it because they don't want anything to do with that. So based on their emotions, they receive it. And then there's the person who um, receives it, 
but there's so many worldly things that they value more that that overcomes them and they ain't they're not able to fully follow the Lord because they value the things of this world more so they get lost in that once saved always saved versus obeying um, the Lord and what he's telling you and then there's the person who uh, receives it with joy in their heart and who obeys and has that um, that soil that is rich and able to bear fruit next we have which in an honest and good heart so when you hear the word honest what do you think of truthful truthful good anything else when you hear honest about honorable mm. um, in Greek it means noble honorable morally good um, I think of kind of integrity too. doing the right thing is honest no matter what's happening or who's looking and then um, and a good heart so when you are um, trying to sow seeds plant seeds proclaim the word of God to people it really comes down to their heart if they're going to receive it or not and that's what this is saying by honest and good heart um, if you're trying to plant seeds in someone with the word of God who has a heart of stone it's just going to bounce right off. It's not going to get deep into their heart and sink in or stick. If you um, try to plant seeds into somebody with the word of God and proclaim and give them um, or let them hear it who have loved the world, they're, you know, they don't want to get out of the world and earthly things, then they are going to choose that because that's where their heart lies, that's where their treasure lies, rather than trying to have a walk with Christ. Um, so, the soil is the human heart. And why I liked this, or why I picked this, is because this kind of helped me understand that um, in the gospel it's not saying that uh, people, they just talked about four different people who receive and the ways in history that they have received the word of God. And um, just know that we can't change someone's heart, but God can. So we just have to pray for them and hope that that internal work happens. Um, but still, don't let that keep you from giving the word and proclaiming it and speaking to people and spreading it. Because that's our job as being a part of um, our walk with Jesus. So, next one, having the, heard the word and keep it. So that's that fourth person who is able to he not just hear it, but they receive it. Fully receive it in their heart. That happens in your heart. Um, and then bring forth fruit with patience. This one was big for me because, um, first of all, you can't bring forth fruit if your heart, um, isn't having that good soil, that purity, that nobleness, that honesty, and accepting the word of God that you're hearing. But the patience part is what really, um, got to me. It takes time to bear fruit. It takes time to let the word sink in and fully, um, work it out. I mean, it's how much time also you're willing to put into it. If you're only coming once a week and that's the only time you ever read your Bible or pray to God, then it's going to take a lot more time for um, the Holy Spirit to take over in your life. Mm -hmm. But if you're every day, you know, praying to God when you go to bed or spending some type of time with God or merging yourself into the book and learning, then your growth is going to be a lot quicker and you're going to attain it faster and you're going to be able to have the weapons to be able to fight um, the enemy when he attacks you because the closer you do get to him the more he will attack um, patience also what I've learned through my as I'm bearing fruit and growing 
is I'll get, God will reveal things to me, um, or I'll have visions of things I'm supposed to be doing or want to do, but you can't, once you, when God reveals these things to you, you can't just jump into it and do it. You have to prepare yourself. You have to plan. You have to pray. Um, and that's one thing I never really realized until getting into the scripture and getting more into patience has been, and through the tests that I'm going through in my life, um, that I need to strengthen myself for the battle. And yes, I believe God has given me these understandings and revelations, but that's so I can walk into it and um, get the tools which are in scripture and the word of God to be able, in my relationship with the Lord, to be able to grow and achieve what he wants me to do for him, the works that he wants to do. Because if you try to go after you figure something out or he tells you something and just do it right away, you're not going to be equipped. And then you're going to be doing it off of worldly knowledge and your carnal mind versus a supernatural and um, a and being led by the Holy Ghost, which that's what you need to wait for. So, Do you so, mean like um, pray about everything he says to you, or you mean like when it comes to being sent forth to do certain tasks? Um, I, just both kind of. There's things that come to me um, where he'll have that like aha moment that will happen in Revelation, mm-hmm. um, or I'll see things spiritually different. And then, but I feel like he wants me to do something with that. So I pray about it on, um, because I don't always fully understand what he's saying. Or I, you know, you read one thing and you'll have some understanding, but you have to go back and find mm-hmm. more scripture to understand it in more depth, because then it means something totally different. Um, so that's just more of that uh, planning and get to, getting to know the word more so you can be fit uh, for the battle that he right. wants you to fight. Right. But I think he's kind of giving me visions of like what he wants me to do, what he sees me doing, but mm-hmm. I know like... His main thing is I need to stay patient and really focus on learning the word so I can be equipped to do those things. Uh, I was just curious because I thought you meant like him giving you a direct commandment or Mm -hmm. like him setting you forth or something. No, I think Mm -hmm. you should be able, well, you know your God's voice and he'll tell you if it, this needs to happen now. Right. And so that's one thing that you build with having a relationship with the Lord is to discern those things. But there's also things I think he tells you, this is what I'm calling you to do. Um, and well, he'll that, say, right. yeah, okay. um, and that yeah. sometimes is a process of, of preparing, Absolutely. but it takes work and it's not just going to, he's not going to just be like, Hey, this one calling you to do, you're ready. Like you have to put the work in. Um, a lot of people think sometimes you can just, um, like be fully like led by the Holy. Well, I think you can be fully led, led by the Holy ghost, but you have to, um, know the word so that you don't get stuck in middle of battle with, you know, no defense when someone's trying to attack you. Right, that's the full armor, right? Yeah. You know, I get what you're saying, okay. Yep, that's basically it. (laughs) (laughs) I was crazy, like, just researching that one thing. I wanted to, like, go over so many different scriptures. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Keep it simple, because... Could have gone forever. <laughs> yeah, and also what we go into, we have to believe. It's just like any salesperson. You gonna say something? Is that Easton? Oh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, just like any salesperson, you know, if you believe in your product, then it'll be that much more effective for you. So yeah. you have to believe what you read and understand because what Christina was talking about, which is key for tonight's study, is understanding that there are different. There's two different types of nature. You don't sin because it's what you do. 
you sin because it's what you are. You know, sinners sin. Now, I'm not saying you won't fall and make mistakes and do things. Lord knows I have. But the point is, is that, you know, there is a difference, a change in your nature that needs to take place. Why people don't hear the word of God, why people don't take it so seriously, why there's certain things that will come upon us that we aren't able to maintain is because of a nature that has to change, that the Holy Ghost has to get right with you. You know, so this is why we're doing a study on the serpent seed and the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is that of Jesus Christ or that which is born again. And then there's the seed of the serpent, which has been against God from the beginning. So from here, we're going to go to uh, Genesis 3. We're going to start off there. It's always like that. Like whatever you guys present, it's always with the lesson. It's so funny. I couldn't funny. believe it. Like yeah. when you said the title, I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Like exactly. My, probably because, answer a bunch of my questions that I had, like starting to get into this. Right, because just like they were talking about the sower that sows seeds, mm -hmm. it's also like, you know, we're dealing with two different types of seeds in the earth, and you're going to mm -hmm. see how far they go, what they're really about. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this thing is going to come between family, you know, but this is the, what the Lord called for, so this is how it has to be. We'll start at Genesis 3 and 1, just to, you know, get a little recap. All right, now this is when Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were dealing with the serpent. And the serpent, you know, he said a few things to them. This would have been one time where taking Christina's advice would have been great, and that would be to pray and um, wait on the Lord. But, of course, you know, fallen man or man in his mentality, you know, he went ahead. They went ahead and they engaged the serpent who had so much more knowledge than they did. All right, so it says, Genesis 3 and 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We, sh we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. So we understand the very first thing that the enemy came with here, the serpent, was a question. He questioned the word of God. And this is what you're going to find in a lot of institutions, whether they be political, financial, scientific, education, whatever. They're always questioning if God even exists. Is he real? How significant is he to, to make it in an everyday life? And these are things that we have to get past because of the fact that God's word is real. So you see, even way back when, this was probably 6,000 years ago, or maybe a little more, the thing is, is that the serpent himself is questioning the word of God. So he doesn't change his tactics. Magicians don't change their tactics. They find new audiences to do the exact same thing. So why Satan is very effective at getting us to not obey God is because he's had practice on us for 6,000 years. All right, so verse 3, and it says, or verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the serpent here is telling her that, you know, you won't die. You'll be as gods, you know. And then the woman uh, said, well, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband and he did eat. 
So what we got to understand here is we did a study on the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the areas that the enemy likes to work through to get us to be unbelievers. All right, the first thing is he'll show you how good something looks, and then he'll tell you, touch it, you know, and then you're engaged in it, and this is how you fall to sin. Now, eating the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it did have some effects on them. I mean, obviously, if it's a tree of good and evil, then that evil would be a nature that was outside of God. If they were created in the image of God, they had just partaken in something which was evil, which changed the nature of these two beings that were made by God. Mm -hmm. So one of the other interesting points is, is that uh, they also disobeyed God. Now, you know, anything that's in God's kingdom has to be obedient to God which we're going to have a study coming up uh, next Tuesday, not this one, because I promised Trey I would do a study for him. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just knowing that the enemy themselves, I mean himself, had them do three things that they already had. He told them they would be as gods. They were already eternal beings, okay? They were going to live forever. Man was going to live forever until they had disobeyed God. That's how death came into the world. And then he told them, um, you'll know, you'll have all the knowledge. When, you know, how much knowledge could you have other than being with God every day? I mean, when you're with God, obviously he's going to answer all your questions. So, you know, they already had something and they traded in their inheritance for something that wasn't, you know, the truth. But this is how the enemy engages us. He lies to us. Uh, okay, so it says, uh, she gave also unto her husband and he eat, and he ate. Uh, and the eyes of them were both open, and they saw, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together uh, and made themselves aprons. Now, before this point, they didn't need them because they were innocent. But this is a man's attempt to try and solve his own problem with a mistake that they just made, you know, with sewing fig leaves around themselves. So, real quick. Yeah. In one sense, you could say they tried to do a spiritual thing in a carnal mindset spiritual like a trying to be spiritual but you know because they were already of they were already of God and when Satan tempted them then they were carnal means instead of spiritual well means. yeah he got them to think independent of God and that's what fallen man is dealing with today this is why we have so much pain and strife in our lives and trying to figure things out because all we had to do was walk with the Creator, and we stepped outside of that mm -hmm. to do things ourselves. See, the reason their punishment was so stiff that we're going to get into is because Eve got a glimpse of what it would be like to rule by herself. Independent of her husband, by the way, because Adam was given the dominion. Mm -hmm. But part of this has to do with Eve, you know, he said, you'll be as gods. And they said when she saw that it was good for food and pleasant to the eyes... And a desire to make you wise. You know, wisdom outside of God. That's what made them eat. It had nothing to do with just disobeying God for fruit. It was more to do with, man, you don't need God. The same way people talk today. Man, you believe in that? Man, you could go on and make your own money and do your own thing. So this is part of what they told her. And Eve said, you know what? Why should I obey this God if I can be one myself? So it was that type of um, enticement that caused them to fall what to do what they did all right but yeah your point is valid as far as um them trying to do it by carnal means where they sewed uh fig leaves around themselves and made aprons and they heard the voice of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day and adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord 
the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now notice he called Adam. Why? He gave Adam the dominion in the earth. He, you know, hey, Adam, where are you? You know, like, what's going on? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. So what you're noticing here is there's a total transformation in their behaviors. They used to meet with the Lord every day. The Bible says that they were naked and they were not ashamed. Why? Because they were innocent. They knew no sin. They were doing the things of God. They had the nature of God. But once they began to engage the serpent and eat of his fruit, no one knows what that fruit is. But I do believe that he had given them a part of a nature that was, that was like him, that was independent of God. And I think that's why you were given the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The tree of life is Jesus Christ. When Jesus was asked, you know, about um, turn these stones into bread, Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So that tells you that the, or the word of God, but the word of God itself is the tree of life. Jesus Christ is the word. So he would be that tree, which is all you need to live. But Satan gave them an alternate way of saying, well, you know, you don't exactly need God. You can live your life. You can do what you like to do and be independent and answer to no one. So he offered them a world independent of God. And this is, you know, what you notice now they recognize they're naked. You know, um, now they're afraid or they're afraid to be around God. Now, at one point they had fellowship with him. They were made, you know, like him. So you're seeing a change here go from being like God to being like fallen man. Look what you see today. So he says, um, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I did eat. So now he's blaming God for, you know, his wife. Even though God gave Adam the dominion to rule in the earth and to make sure everything was in order. But now he's blaming his wife because he's caught up in something. So this, again, is a change of nature. Adam is a coward now. He's no longer accountable. Even though he was given dominion, he's throwing a responsibility on somebody else. Sounds like us today. Mm -hmm. All right. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, meaning he tricked me and I did eat. All right. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle all cattle and every beast of the field upon thy belly thou shalt go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life so this tell you at one point serpents were actually you know the snake had legs he could walk all right now he slithers around on his belly and i will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows, and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and, thou, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. The key point here was the difference in the two seeds you see here, because notice that um, once he found out what was done, the Lord recognized that this was no quick fix. Okay, you went from 
they went from being sinless and pure, following the Lord, unto sin and, and disobeying God. So the Lord said, you know, this is a future prophecy. He said, man, I'm going to put enmity between these two because this isn't going to work out. You know, like, man, you guys have messed up big time. You're never going to be like I wanted you to be. Now I've got to govern you like pretty much animals or children. I've got to govern you now and teach you the ways that are right when you had that nature from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So this is something that's missing in us today that needs to be fixed. And the only fix is Jesus Christ. Think about his children the first time you ever told a lie. You know, you knew it was wrong. And I mean, you felt bad about telling it, but you told it. You know, and then what happens the first time a child ever says a curse, you're looking around, seeing who saw you, you know, before you say it. Why? Because it's not in your nature. But what happens when you continue cursing and you continue living a certain way? Now it just becomes you. It's a second language. So you're becoming defiled over time and becoming more like Satan than you are like God. And this is one of the things that, you know, the Lord is trying to restore with us all is our innocence. So he just made a prophecy that these two seeds would be at war, the seed of God and the seed of the serpent. So from here, we can go right to Genesis 4, because I want to make a quick example of this. This is the story of Cain and Abel. I believe even though they both came from Adam and Eve, one had the serpent of the, of the woman and the other had the um, seed of the serpent, you know, a, a seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So I think this is the first battle between these two seeds going at it, you know, or being at war. All right, so Genesis 4 and verse 1, and it says, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process uh, of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel um, also and Abel he also brought uh, of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof, uh, and the God that um, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. I'm hearing a background noise. Is that the computer? Oh yeah, please. <laughs> Thanks. So you know, one of the issues here is is that there's there's two different diff, there's two different types of nature. One is you know Abel giving the Lord the firstlings of his flock the best. Okay, he was very much like the Lord. Lord, I'll do anything for you, whatever you want, whatever you need from me, whatever sacrifices you need to make. Cain gave the Lord what he wanted to give him. So you look at verse 4 and it says, And Abel, uh, he also brought the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But to Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So the Lord, you know, one gave the Lord his best, the other chose not to. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall not thy be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So what is he talking about unto him and his desire? He's talking about that nature. He's talking about the same thing that got Adam and Eve to fall. When they talk about that desire will rule over you, they're talking about the earthly man, the old man, not the new vessel that Jesus Christ wants to restore. 
So then it says, um, and Cain talked uh, with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Okay, so Cain killed his own brother because of the fact that his brother had was following the Lord, trying to do right. And then you had Abel. I mean, Abel was trying to follow the Lord and do right. And Cain was jealous of this. He didn't want to do right. He kills his own brother. All right. And uh, the Lord God said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So you see how Cain here is a liar. He's lying. Killed his brother. Feels no guilt whatsoever. Because he has that nature of his mother and father, which they had of Satan. So then it says, um, Oh, and he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee uh, her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond uh, shalt thou go in the earth, shalt thou be in the earth, so Cain was disregarded. He was taken away. Uh, God is a holy God. We know this. The Bible says, be thee holy, for God is holy. God can't be compatible with that which is unholy. So the fact that Cain did this, the Lord kind of pushed him away like, you need to go. You know, but not that he wouldn't take care of him. But Cain became something very different that God could not associate with. He couldn't be with him. So he says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Now if you notice here, Cain just killed his brother. Cain is now being punished for what he did. Cain never apologized. He never said sorry. He never felt bad for his sin. What he did was try to look for some form of leniency to get out of his punishment. Mm -hmm. So Cain here is saying, um, you know, well, it's more than I can bear. So never mind you just killing your brother. <laughs> it's more than I can bear. It's more than I can handle. So here he is being unaccountable, just like his mother and father when they sinned. So this is a nature that's in the earth that's going to separate men and women. You know, parents and children, husbands and wives. This is a nature that's going out from that point on. Let's go to Matthew 7 real quick. I just want to make a quick point. And one thing about me, i got to recognize, slow teaching doesn't work for me. That's something I can work on. What was in Genesis um, no, I think we're going to... Well, yeah, Genesis, yeah, but not there. Okay. We'll go to uh, Matthew 7 and verse 16, and it says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. 
So this tells you here that the fruit itself is a type of seed, which is a type of nature, you know, and it's what kind of production you'll get out of that nature. If you're a good person, you know, then you won't do certain things. If you're a bad person, then there's a whole list of things that you would do. If you're good or, you know, liars lie, thieves steal, okay, you know, um, violent people hurt people. That's just the way things go. Pigs like to be in dirt. You can take a pig and you can dress it up, put it in a nice silk suit, you know, sit him at your table. That pig will, one, look at you like you're crazy, probably break your chair, <laughs> and then run back and jump in the mud because pigs like mud. That is the nature of the pig. So what the Lord is telling us is that we need to come up higher. We need to be righteous. We don't need to lie. We don't need to do all these things because they're not of God. So he's saying if you have good fruit, then you're going to bear those good fruit. If you have corrupt fruit, then that shows you what kind of person you are. If you're a liar, you know, then you can't be of God because God is all about the truth. All right. If you're someone that sins, then that's something that needs to be changed because God is not a God of sin. He's a God of holiness. All right. So we'll go back to Genesis. Um, we'll go back to Genesis and I think we'll go from here to Genesis 6. Let's go to Genesis 6. But, you know, it's so easy to figure out from reading this how you'll find that in every single family, there are believers in Jesus and there are unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that this would happen and this is exactly how it goes. You got some that will accept Jesus Christ when they hear the truth and others, no, I don't want nothing to do with that. Well, Jesus said that every fruit that doesn't bear forth good fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, that's what he means by, um, you know, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, they go to hell. All right. And if you ever read what the Bible says about hell in here, it's not a good place. You know, you won't be able to sleep day or night. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine it being so hot that you can't even catch your breath? And then they said that the sounds and the torment of the screams and I mean, things that people go through the smell of burning flesh. I mean, that's just that's rough stuff to even think about. I mean, it's like, why would you choose that when you can choose a life of holiness? Yeah. But see, it's the nature of an individual which makes them do what they do. And this is what the Lord came to fix. Anybody want to add anything or say anything? If not, we'll go to Genesis 6 and 1. All right. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, which uh, saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. Now, if you go back to Genesis 3, you know, um, Adam and Eve were good copies. The Lord made a perfect copy, I mean, a, a perfect image through sin, through being defiled. They went from 900 and something years living down to 120 years you see today. Usually they'll find an old man on the news or something. He'll be about 120, 123. But the Lord said that this is exactly what would happen mm -hmm. through, you know, disease, through all kinds of sin, through pollution and everything that man did to defile this earth. He's now capped out at 120 years to 80, 80 to 120. But man, imagine living 900 years. I mean, let's soak that up. Being almost a thousand that means I wouldn't have lived maybe a quarter of my life yet. I would have, I would have been about 300 
when I decided to get serious and do some things. Can you imagine having that type of time on your hands? Oh, yeah. And I mean, there are other religions that speak of people being that old, mm -hmm. you know, the golden age and everything like that. Okay, so these um, these sons of God that came down and uh, found these women, they were angels that came, that left their first estate, that went into the earth um, to find beautiful women. All right, so um, verse 4, and it says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So we understand here when it says giants were in the earth, that word for giant is Nephilim. Okay, so that would be fallen ones. They came from heaven down to earth, and they made it with earth women. Hollywood makes movies like this all the time, but this actually did happen. You'll find giant skeletons in the earth going back to um, the Smithsonian hides them every time they find them. But they had giants 36 feet long in the ground with six fingers, six toes, double sets of teeth. So they weren't even like human, really. They were somewhat human, but they were mixed with these angels. So it says um, they became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. So that would be like they were famous men. They were like heroes. Well, you guys hear of Thor and you hear of uh, all these other guys, Superman, Zeus, all these other names, they're saying that this is what produced these beings were the fallen angels that came down. Okay, so it says in verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That means that these people couldn't even think good thoughts. They were rotten to the core. Why? Because they were one of the Nephilim seed. Two, they were fallen man that was just living in man's way and not following the Lord. So then it says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it was grieved at him, it, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air. For it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So imagine the whole world right now being corrupted. I mean, and the only people that are clean, that are not corrupted, is everybody sitting in here. But you look around the whole world and everybody's crazy, out of their minds, sinning, murdering, doing everything. And there's just only eight people in the world that were saved that are sitting in here. That's how bad things got. And that's all from one seed and another seed. Well, that's how bad things are getting again. Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. All right, so Noah, only one man found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So we understand here that Noah was a just man, which is, you know, a, a, an upright man, but he was perfect in his generations, meaning that he didn't have this Nephilim seed. He didn't have the defilement of one, you know, having a, um, of people that weren't following the Lord, but following the influence of these angels. All right. So then it says, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. So that would be like us sitting in here right now. You hear people out there cursing and I mean, punching people out and stealing and, you know, rape, everything going on. 
I mean, this is what the world was full of. Nothing good except Noah and his children. All right, so it says, um, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the, with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Uh, rooms shalt thou make uh, in the ark, and shall pitch in with, within and without the pitch. Okay, so the, the whole point here is, you guys have probably heard of Noah's Ark, I'm sure. Uh, the Lord told Noah to make a big ark, big boat. All right, I'm going to flood this earth. I'm going to make it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. The fountains of the deep broke open in the world, and the flood just came through, killing off giants, killing off people that weren't following the Lord. But it was just Noah and eight persons that were on this ark that was saved. All right, so this is an attempt, an early attempt of the serpent to try and destroy the image of God. Now, we got to understand what Genesis 3 meant. When the Lord said, I will put enmity between my seed or the woman's seed and the serpent's seed. And he said, you'll bruise the heel of the man, but the, but the man is going to crush the head of the serpent. Don't think that Satan wasn't already thinking Calvary. He wasn't already thinking, hmm, I wonder who's coming. It's going to be Jesus Christ. So what am I going to do now? I got to stop this from happening. So it's funny how from Genesis 3 to Genesis 6, you got these angels coming down trying to defile mankind to follow Satan in his ways and not the Lord's ways. So that tells you there that ever since that day, he's been trying to stop us from following Jesus Christ, the one true God, doing what he needs us to do. And this is why, because he is the ruler of this world now, you'll never learn about Jesus in school. You'll never be able to have doctors tell you about the miracles that actually happened on the table when people have been dead and they know that they, that person's gone and it was nothing they can do. And, and the Lord brings someone back to life and they'll tell you, oh, well, his heart stopped beating, but his brain was still alive. I mean, these people hate to admit that God has that kind of power, that he still does miracles in the earth, and he still looks after the people of him. All right, so um, I just wanted to present this as an early attempt of the serpent himself trying to defile man. And we're going to learn here, too, that it wasn't just Cain and Abel that had this problem. Let's go to Genesis uh Let's see. Let's go to Genesis. T uh, I want to go to Genesis 10. Let's go there real quick. Genesis 10 and 1. This is just a quick recap before we get into everything. All right. Genesis 10 and 1. And it says... Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were also born after the flood. So Noah had three sons. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, uh, Magog, and Medog, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshesh, and Tiras. Now already you can tell, well, I mean, this is kind of, I don't want to be complex tonight, but um, there was one of the families here of Japheth, you can already see, that there was Nephilim seed in his bloodline. I mean, clearly through Magog, which is supposed to be one of the individuals that, you know, the whole Gog and Magog thing at the end of time. Magog was considered a giant. They actually celebrate them in, um, in the British Isles. Every year they'll have this uh, parade about Gog and Magog. They were supposed to be two giants in ancient times. 
that founded um, London and in England, believe it or not. And they hold, um, what do you call it? Ceremonies. Ceremonies and festivals, even yeah. to this day. They worship these two giants. All right, so, I mean, that's one. And then we'll go down to, and the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mitzram, and put in, um, in Canaan. And the sons of Cush, Seba, uh, Havilah, and, and Septa, and Rama, and Septeca, and the sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dedan. And Cush begat Nimrod. He became a mighty warrior, a mighty one in the earth. So Nimrod is also another bad seed here that you can see going through Cush's bloodline. So you already have two sons of Noah that had Nephilim seed and they were of the serpent seed where, you know, Shem, um, Noah's third son, had to be pure because this was the bloodline that Jesus Christ was going to come from. So he couldn't have Nephilim seed or anything like that. So you can even see from there the descendants of um, Abraham came from that seed. Um, I mean, Moses, all those guys. I mean, it's a long list. David. I mean, everybody really that was important in the Old Testament came out of the bloodline of Shem. Okay, not out of um, the other two seeds. Okay, so um, this is why they call people Shemites or Shemitic. The people of God, the Israelites, they get it from Shem. You know, being from that bloodline. All right, so um, we already put down here that Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And in the beginning of his kingdom of uh, Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kelma in the land of Shinar, out of that land went forth Asher and builded Nineveh in the city of Rehoboth and Caleb. So you know that Nineveh, I don't know if you guys ever read the book of Jonah, but Nineveh became a wicked city that the Lord had to send Jonah into to fix. Nimrod is a very important character as far as history is concerned. He had many names. Um, he was known as uh, Baal. He was known as, um, what are the other names? And in some other cultures, he's Gilgamesh. Huh? No, nah, but it is kind of like Baal, like that, that belief system came out of him. He was also Osiris, you know, he was also Jupiter, all these other names of people, Apollo, that you might have heard stuff about in Greek mythology. Well, this was Nimrod, okay, so he was the first leader of what you would have called the old world order, mm -hmm. okay, he put this stuff together, people worshipped him, uh, Egypt and their philosophy came out of who Nimrod was. I mean, you got so many cultures in the world today, even the Chinese, I believe, got all their stuff going back to Babylon and who Nimrod was. All right, let's go to Genesis 11 and 1. But I just want to um, spread a little influence on who he was, and we'll move forward from there. Genesis 11 and 1. Now, we just left the flood. I want everybody to think about this. The flood just ended. There were only eight persons in the world. God had to destroy the whole earth and start over with the eight people that were there. Mm -hmm. Not even 70 generations later or going into Genesis 11, look at what we have. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. That would be modern day Babylon. And they said one to another, go to let us make brick and, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. 
And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, uh, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. Uh, and the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, so they are together, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So these people made a tower. The book of Jasher describes it. This tower was probably, I think they said it took a year to walk around or to get to the top. And it wasn't even finished, built yet. Okay, this, this tower was huge. And it had two parts to it, they believe. You know, the word Bob means gate. The word L means God. So it was like a portal, a gate to God. They were trying to break through the veil that's up there today to get into the heavens, fight against God, kill God. I don't know how you do that, but that was the plan to try and um, get into the heavens. You're going to see why this is important later in the study because you got two things happening. You got a rebellious people joined together under one mind, under one language, and then they're trying to fight against God. We're going to see that even the internet itself is what Satan's attempt to do is, is to bring everyone under one language. Because, you know, there were um, 70 original languages in the world that spread it out and made other languages. So now the devil himself is trying to build the Internet and have all these things come around again to get everyone communicating one to another. So everyone's not so foreign anymore. Okay, because notice they were all of one language and one speech. So the Lord separated their languages in order to make them not be that way and communicate together. All right, so the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. He says, Go to, let us go down and go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the earth, and all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of the uh, the name of it was called Babel, because the Lord did there confound their language um, of the whole earth of the earth. So this is pretty much saying that they were, you know, together at one point um, when they were trying to build this tower, they couldn't understand one another. So that was God's plan. They couldn't understand one another. If you read the book of Jasher, it would say where someone says, "Pick a brick up," they would they would think that they said, "Let it go." And they were killing each other trying to build this tower. Okay, so this was an early attempt for man to come together. The serpent got everyone in the world to follow him to fight against God. But again, you know, the Lord didn't let that happen. He confounded the languages. And there were still some good people in the earth that the Lord could work through. Let's go to Genesis uh, 20. Let's see. Genesis 16. Everybody's falling asleep in here. All right, Genesis 16 and 1, and it says, Now Sarai, which is Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare no children, and she had an handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. 
And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained from me, bearing, I pray thee, go in unto my maid. Uh, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened unto the voice of Sarah. So here you have another attempt of Abraham, another man obeying his wife, doing what she asked him to do. All right. Um, and Sarai, Abraham, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. And Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her uh, to her husband, Abram, uh, Abram, to be with his wife. So out of this came two uh, people, Abraham's son, uh, Ishmael, which is where the Arabs come from. You know, they, uh, Ishmael was never supposed to be a part of the promise. Okay, Ishmael came about through human effort, just like Adam and Eve trying to clothe themselves void of God. The Lord told them that they would have a, well, they wanted to have a child. They didn't trust in the Lord, kind of like what Christina was presenting about praying to the Lord and understanding what the Lord is calling for us to do. Because you see how the early attempt was to fix it themselves, and they got themselves in trouble. Yeah. Something else to look at here, because Hagar was an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Could this be also because we read the one time uh, last week where she was the the bondwoman under bondage, bondage so mm -hmm. her being an Egyptian, is that also looking at future prophecy of Israel going into Egypt unto bondage because it says here that she was an Egyptian? Yeah, that would make sense too. And they weren't of the seed of, um, of God's people. Shem is the bloodline of Jesus Christ where Hagar herself was an Egyptian, which was like a, a servant, you know, around the house. So she comes out of the bloodline of Mitzram, which is out of the family of Ham. All right, so they weren't even supposed to be associated with them like that. But that's a good point, because out of this, because we don't have time to go through the whole thing, but out of this came Ishmael and Isaac. Mm -hmm. Ishmael was 13 years older than Isaac. The Bible will tell you that he began to mock Isaac. If you read the book of Jasher, it even tells you he tried to kill Isaac. Okay, so um, uh, Sarah had to say, hey, get your son or get that woman and her son out of my house. <laughs> you know, because Isaac was the child of the promise, which did come by Sarah. She was 90 years old, but they waited on the Lord. He gave them that promise. So you can't have the child of the promise living with the bond woman's child. But you see how jealousy sprang up from there? They felt like it should have been us and not of, you know, them. Mm -hmm. All right. So I just wanted to make that quick point where Isaac, uh, Ishmael had to leave with his mom. They were told to leave. Um, so from there, the Lord did bless Hagar because she cried unto the Lord. She was saying, you know, now I have nothing. And the Lord told her that your son will be blessed because he knew that he would have no father from here. He told him that he would be blessed. I think he said they'd have, what, 12 princes and, I mean, so many different things. And if you look at the Arab people in the world today, I mean, they run the oil industries. They are still blessed to this day because of the prophecy that God gave them, you know. So um, that was another feud between um, Isaac and Ishmael. One was from a, a bloodline that wasn't of the promise, and then you had one that was from the promise. Because through Isaac came Jacob, and then, you know, the bloodline just goes on from there. Out of Jacob's seed came the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. All right, so from here, let's move on. But, you know, there was another attempt that uh, Ishmael wanted to get rid of Isaac, the same way Cain and Abel happened. So we're going to go into Jacob and Esau. Let's go to Genesis 25 and 21. 
All right, Genesis 25 and 21, and it says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, so she couldn't have kids. Have you noticed that went on like two or three times that a lot of women could not have children? So um, this is Isaac, who is the son, the promised child of Abraham. His wife also can't have kids, but she did eventually conceive. All right, so that we're, we're reading up to the part where she is pregnant now. Okay, and the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she uh, went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord, uh, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And um, when her days to be delivered uh, were fulfilled before, there were twins in her womb. So the point that God is making is there's two nations, there's two different types of people here fighting in the womb is why she's having birth pain. She's like, Lord, if you bless me, why do I have, you know, why am I having these type of excruciating pains? Well, there were two nations in her womb, meaning that there would be one that would be of the people, and then there would be another that would come out that would start another nation that wasn't of the people. Mm -hmm. All right, so he says, And the first one came out all red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that uh, came his brother out, and uh, his hand out, and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. So Isaac was 60. The kids looked totally different. You know, one came out red and hairy. So they named him Red and Hairy. That's what Esau means. The other came out, you know, and they were fighting out of the womb. So even when one came out first, the other one's hanging on to the heel trying to keep the fight going. But that's going to be symbolic for something later. And it says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So you had the parents having two different types of feelings about their kids. I'm sure they loved them both, but you know Esau, the father loved because he brought home the meat, brought home the food. You know he was a hunter, and uh, Rebekah loved Jacob because Jacob was the child of the promise. So they were two different people. Jacob already, you know, was already. She was already told that one, the eldest, would serve the younger. So that means Esau came out first. He would serve the younger. Mm -hmm. All right. And Jacob, uh, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Like Edom means blood or red. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob, sweared, Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Uh, then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils, and he did eat and drink. And rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we got to understand two types of nature here. Now some people, Jacob is known as a deceiver. 
You know, that's what the name Jacob kind of means. But if you look at it here, the Bible makes clear one of them had respect unto the birthright, where the other, he received it because he was older, but he didn't have that same respect of it. It was kind of like, well, you know, what does it matter? You know, this is going to be key even in what Christina presented and where we're going with this thing, because the Bible, when it talks about having your godly inheritance in Jesus Christ, and you have some that will receive the word with joy, or they receive it truly deep, then, hey, man, I'm not going to blow this inheritance. Not for a man, not for a woman, not for money, not for anything. But Esau, because he was hungry, gave up his birthright just for, you know, a, a dish. So the Bible makes clear he despised his birthright. This would be considered like receiving the mark of the beast. Yeah. You know, not even doing what was necessary. Like, you know, well, man, just give me. I don't care about the birthright. It's no big deal to me. So to me, the birthright went to the rightful owner, which was Jacob. Mm -hmm. Well, the Lord already prophesied that one would serve the other. All right. So um, we're going to skip down to... I just wanted to make a quick point with this. Uh, Genesis 20, 26 and 34. Let's go down to 34. Well, let's start at 32. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's certain servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, We have found water. And he said to Sheba, uh, Therefore, uh, the name of the city is Beersheba uh, unto this day. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife uh, Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Bathshemath, uh, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, uh, which were a grief in the mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. So understand here, Isaac, Isaac and Rebekah knew that you're not supposed to marry outside of your tribe. They did. Esau, you know, he had no respect for his birthright. And now he's marrying um, someone of the Nephilim bloodline, you know, and just say, hey, I'm going to marry him. I don't care. Mm. So Esau had no respect for anything. This would be a type of Cain. This would be a type of, you know, the Lord telling us, hey, guys, don't do this. And we, you know, when we get in our moments, eh, whatever, I'm going to do what I want to do. So this is an early, this is also showing the serpent seed versus the seed of the woman. Two different things here. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, let's go to Genesis 27, which is right here. And it came to pass, and when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here I am. I mean, here, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old, and I know not the day of thy death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapon, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field to make me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat of my soul, uh, my soul may bless thee uh, before I die. So remember, Rebecca knew that Isaac was the child, not Isaac, Jacob was the promised child and not Esau. So Rebecca overhears this while he's telling his son Esau, go out to the field. I don't really understand right, right now why Rebecca didn't just tell Isaac what the Lord told her. I mean, that would have just set everything right, made perfect sense. 
or whatever, but she kept that secret from uh, Isaac. Isaac didn't know that, that he was the blessed child. Isaac is just being a dad, giving his eldest son his inheritance. And Rebekah um, uh, heard when Isaac spake to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord uh, before my death. And therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from uh, thence thy, thy two good kids and uh, two good kids of the goats of thy father such as he loveth. Somebody bring me a water because I'm like, man, choking up in here. I think it's on the floor, the one that I had. Thanks. God, I knew something was missing. Thanks. I always have my gum, but all right. So where am I? Am I verse ten? Yeah. All right, and thou, and thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold. Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will, will uh, feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go fetch me then. Um, all right. Can I just make a point is yeah. right there is um, Jacob's nature being pure, not wanting to do, you know. Not wanting to do what's father. wrong. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's true, because everyone calls him a deceiver, but Jacob is in the middle of this thing, you know, only doing what, you know, the Lord said he would do. All right. Um, and he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment, of his eldest, of her eldest son Esau, uh, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of his, the skins of the kids, of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. So Esau must have been real hairy. I mean, think about it. Anytime you got to take goat's fur and put it on somebody's hand and body, and neck. I mean, this guy was a hairy, that was a hairy guy, you know? <laughs> Must be Italian. <laughs> no, seriously, he needed a shave or something, but yeah, he was hairy. Uh, and it says, uh, she gave the savory meat and the bread, which she uh, which had prepared unto the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who art thou, my son? I feel like I cannot read today. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according to thou um, baddest me arise, and pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless thee. All right, quick points, because we don't have time to go into all of this. Esau was the one that the father wanted to give his blessing to, which was the oldest child. The youngest child ended up getting the blessing because the Lord said that Jacob was the chosen child. Okay, so... 
the father Isaac was deceived here into thinking that he blessed. It'll be kind of like um, Devin and Easton. Okay, like Easton would come in and he's got fur on his hands pretending to be Devin to get a blessing from his dad. Okay, but because Easton, um, because Easton, you know, had to change his voice and pretend, Easton got the blessing. So Devin is out in the field hunting, doing all this stuff because he wants the blessing from his father. So East, um, Easton received the blessing and now Devin is going to be looking for his blessing. So Devin comes in the door, where's my blessing? And the father was like, who are you? Because I thought I already blessed you. So Easton received the blessing, but Devin didn't receive the blessing. So from here, a feud broke out between them, and Isaac prophesied two things that would happen. He said that Jacob would be blessed. He said eventually that Esau would not be, um, you know, be under his brother for long, that he would eventually rule in the earth in the last days. So here you have another attempt of one that was blessed and should have gotten the blessing, trying to be deterred from the blessing. All right. So it didn't just go with Cain and Abel. You have Isaac and, a and um, Ishmael. You have Jacob and Esau. So this thing even came between brothers. It came between family because we don't have time to go into all of this. But one child was the child of the, child of the promise. The other wanted to link up. If you read Genesis. Genesis 36 in your spare time, they wanted to link up with the serpent seed. Okay, so from there, you know, only one was blessed with the promise. Let's go to... Let's see. Let's go to Daniel 2 and 30. feel kind of dizzy today. You guys are almost asleep, everybody. I didn't sleep good last night. Oh, I'm boring. You guys can see. We get home until 1 o'clock from North Medford. We got to 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You guys were out there. That's a long drive. Mm -hmm. Okay. You may have to start at verse 1, guys. Sorry. Daniel 2 and verse 1. Well, Y'all won't understand what this is about. All right, Daniel 2 and 1, and it says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, or wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to shew the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the, to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king of Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut to be into pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. So this king Nebuchadnezzar didn't play around. Imagine somebody telling you, I dreamt a dream last night, but you guys have to tell me what it is. 
And you say, well, tell me what it is, and I'll interpret it. And he says, oh, I forgot. I don't remember it, but you guys have to tell me. Can you imagine how frightening that is under a king? And if you don't have the answer, I'm going to cut you guys in pieces. I mean, this is how serious this guy was. All right, so um, verse 6. But if ye shew the dream uh, and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive me gifts and rewards and great honor thereof, uh, shew me the dream uh, and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, uh, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation thereof. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. So he's saying, if I tell you guys, or give you guys time to answer it, all you're going to do is go and try and seek some, you know, information or something to try and help their cause. So the king here is looking for a supernatural answer to his dream. Like, okay, if, if there's really someone that knows, they're going to know this without me telling them. Uh, but if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me. Till the time be changed, therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can shew me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can shew the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, Lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. All right, so we're going to skip down a little further. Long story short, these guys couldn't answer. There was one man of God that was in the ranks. His name is Daniel. Daniel was a prophet. He was, he was an Israelite, you know, um, one of the people of God that the Lord is asking him to show him this dream, all right, to give the interpretation. So Daniel prayed with his three friends. You know, I don't have an answer, but I'm up, uh, you know, I'm in hot water right now. So the Lord gave Daniel the, the um, interpretation of the dream so that he wouldn't be killed. All right, so we'll start in verse, uh, let's go to verse 30. All right, Daniel 2 and 30, and it says, But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that that shall make known the interpretation of the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of my heart. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms as silver, uh, his belly and his thighs as brass, his legs and iron, his legs of iron, and his feet are part of iron and part of clay. The image would look like, um, have you guys ever seen the Oscars? You know, what they have with the arms folded and the man, the image, you know, straight up. So this, this head of the image was gold, the body was silver, around the waist was brass, the legs were iron, and the feet were mixed with iron and clay. Sounds pretty ugly, right? Mm -hmm. Don't even match. His, uh, in verse 34, Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. 
Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer um, threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So you guys already know what this interpretation is. These were four or five kingdoms that would be in the world. This is the time of the Gentiles when Israel went into captivity. You had the head of gold, which was Babylon. You had the body of silver, which was the Medo-Persian Empire. Then you had around the waist, which was the um, brass, which was the um, Greeks, you know, which was Alexander's kingdom. And then you had the legs, which was Rome, which they ruled the longest time. And then you have a revised Roman Empire in the future, which was part of clay and part of iron. We have to understand what the part of clay and the part of iron is, because if you ever study the Roman Empire, you know, I hate to really go there with this, but everybody that was considered important in the Gentile empires was of the seed of the serpent. Okay, everybody. I mean, all of, all of the kings, the Caesars believed that they were of elite bloodlines, that they were gods themselves. The Egyptians even believed that they were gods, you know, the pharaohs. And I don't want to get deep into why they wore those hats, but they had the elongated skulls. They were of the Nephilim seed of those times. So in time in history, you would have people like us that lived in the province that were just normal people. And then you would have people that would think they were better than people and ruled over people. Okay, so this is also an attempt of two different seeds one having dominion in the earth and the other, uh, others being subject to them. Mm -hmm. I have here a question really uh, reading it, but this is called the Windsor Bush bloodline. It's really interesting because they're talking about the Bush family and the Windsor family. The Windsor family goes all the way back, the Bush bloodline goes all the way back to Philip of Macedonia which was Alexander the Great's father, okay? And they go all the way back there, all the way to what you see. They went through even King Herod and his family, you know, which was a persecutor of the Christians, all the way through to the time of the presidency and the presidents that you see today. They're all of the same, um, yeah, thanks. They're all of the same bloodline, okay? So the point is, is that when the Bible said, that thou, I would put enmity between the seed of man and the seed of the serpent, then Satan himself, you have to know, has a seed in the earth. And these are the people that try and convince people because they rule all of the uh, society. You know, this is why you can't learn about Jesus in college. This is why they'll have all kinds of symbols like the caduceus for the medical symbol. You guys ever see the medical symbol with the two snakes? Well, they're, they're also telling people that this world belongs to Satan. And this is why the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us out of the world to adopt the ways of him. Because the whole world lies in wickedness, in the wicked one. All right, but you guys, um, I'm going to put this up on the site, but you guys can look through it if you want. I mean, even Ptolemy is on this list, Copernicus. I mean, all these guys, all the way through to the presidency, Prince Charles and Diana and all those guys. They're all of the same bloodline, same family. We don't elect presidents. They are chosen by blood. All right. They were even known as blue bloods, which is another thing that I have here, because these people think that they come from the blood of gods. 
And this is why they have no regard for people in this earth. And I'm not saying that none of them could come to Christ because many of them have. Many of them have been saved and have been delivered. But the overall thing that runs the world are, is the serpent seed. Mm -hmm. And if, unless you know what you're at war with, you'll totally misunderstand this thing. And this is why you try and tell people about politics and all that. Man, don't take that nonsense seriously as far as voting. They already know who's going to be the president 12 years from now. All right? They, they elect their people through blood. It's got nothing to do with you and me. Exactly. But like I said, I'll read it another time. I'll put it up on the site. But this is what they're talking about with these five kingdoms. Right now, we are in the kingdom of the, the feet and the miry clay. Okay? We're towards the end. Remember, at the end of this rule is going to be the rock that the Bible says is going to come and smash this image. We know that that rock is Jesus Christ. Okay? That's no mistake to anybody. But this is why they'll tell you, I'm looking for meteors to destroy the earth so we're going to set up a planetary defense system to try and stop these meteors from coming and destroying earth when really they've built a system to wait on jesus christ because they want to fight against him that was the whole purpose of nasa it's got nothing to do with this it's got nothing to do with man trying to explore and go farther and greater they're trying to war against jesus christ and remember in genesis 11 this is what happened they built the Tower of Babel, remember? They built that tower to break into the heavens. That's the only purpose of NASA now, to do the exact same thing, to fight against Jesus Christ. I know that sounds crazy, but wait and see. All right, so it says um, that it would smoke the image. Uh, let's see. I'm at 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath delivered thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowl of the air of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So we have to understand, if you got people in the earth ruling right now, it's because the Lord made that possible. At one point, these people didn't have as much power as they have now, but being disobedient like we are in this country to God, not following his ways, they found themselves in captivity, and that's where we're going to end up pretty soon. But the point is, is that God allowed this to happen for Babylon to rule. He allowed Medo-Persia to rule, because during this whole time, his people, the children of Israel, were in captivity to these nations. Why? Because they chose not to listen to God. They chose not to understand God's ways. God made the Israelites to rule. They were given his laws, statutes, and commandments to be the light and salt of the earth to teach mankind what was necessary. Because man said, oh, no, nah, I'd rather be like the world. Because the Israelites did that, they went into captivity. You read Deuteronomy 28 will tell you this, and there's a bunch of other um, scriptures. But read that in your spare time, what happened to the children of Israel. So it says, um, where am I, 39? Or, nobody's even paying attention. Yeah. 39. Yeah. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall, rule, which shall bear rule over the earth. So he's talking about here of these other kingdoms. Now it's no secret to anyone in history 
Babylon ruled. Babylon was defeated by Greece. I mean, by, by Medo-Persia. That's history. Okay, everyone knows that. So the Bible is accurate with history. Once Medo-Persia ruled, then Alexander the Great came in with his forces. You can read that battle in Daniel 8. What happened with the ram and the he-goat? Medo-Persia was considered a great, you know, place, a great army. They were known for having masses of men being humongous. While Alexander the Great had a small force, a small group, he was considered the he-goat, but he won that battle. You know, um, Daniel 10 will even tell you how that went. So the Greeks took over the Persians, the Romans took over the Greeks, okay? And then from here, the Romans ruled. They were defeated, but the Roman Empire never really died. The Roman Empire was revised today into what you have of Great Britain, I think France, Great Britain, and, um, well, Rome, Great Britain, and the United States. Mm -hmm. So everything that we learn in school goes back to this Roman Empire, democracy, the Senate, everything in our political system, everything to do with education. Because what do they tell you the great philosophers of the world are? Plato, Aristotle, Socrates. Yeah, this is what they try and teach us to think Greek. And that's why if you go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about, oh, oh, one, it talks about the Greek mind and the Jew mind. The Jew mind being a religious mind, a traditionalist, that's the enemy of God. But then there's the Greek mind that teaches you to think everything outside of Jesus. You know, think Greek, my philosophy and my ways. You ever see those people that are real educated? Well, I realize through my understanding and my education what I'm able to do. And I see the world as I want to see it. Okay, so this is the Greek mind, you know, which is the world mind. And then you got the mind of Christ. So along with these two different types of nature, there's two different types of minds. One feels the need for Jesus Christ, will live in his ways. And then you got the other, that is the world mind that hates God's ways. That when you try and talk to them about God, they don't want to hear it. They're quick to take offense. What did Christina read early as far as um, receiving it with joy? But then when persecution comes, they're offended, okay, because they thought it would be easy. So this is the understanding that we have to have in between these two seeds. It's not just between two different types of people. It's between two different types of minds, two different types of spirits, okay, and two different types of systems. Because there's the world's rules, and then there's God's rules, okay? So this is what we're fighting. All right, uh, verse 40, I believe I'm at, and it says, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all things shall it break in pieces and bruise. So they're speaking about the Roman Empire here. The Roman Empire was unlike any other empire because it was never defeated. Okay, there was never a group that came along and destroyed Rome. There were battles that Rome might have lost, but Rome never lost a battle, I mean, or, or war to anyone. No one ever took it over. It died through, you know, I believe the Lord just saying, your time is up. But they were known to spend a lot of money. They would have lots of games in the Colosseum, you know, gladiators fighting, all this stuff going on, that they eventually wore themselves out. They didn't have any more. Well, I do think in some ways they were somewhat defeated because they lost to the Christians. When they were persecuting the Christians, you know, after um, 70 AD, when Rome attacked um, Israel and destroyed it, 
And the um, children of Israel, you know, they ran away, they hid and whatever, but they kept in the ways of the Lord. When they were persecuting these Christians, these Christians loved Jesus so much and believed in the truth that it was like you would destroy one and they kept multiplying. You know, and you would think that death would scare people away from following Jesus, but instead the Holy Ghost spread like wildfire. You killed one, it was like stepping on a pregnant spider. You know, they just ran everywhere. So the Roman Empire knew that by killing Christians, they could not stop them. So what did they come up with? Catholicism. Okay, this is how Catholicism came on the, in the um, end. They could not defeat him. So Constantine the Great, who was also of the bloodline of this seed, came along and said, well, if you can't beat him, join him. All right, so they said, all right, guys, let's stop all this fighting. Let's just... You know, let's get along with one another now. Let's make everything cool. All right, here's what we'll do. You can believe in your Jesus, and we'll believe in our God. You know, we'll call it Catholicism or whatever they want to call it. We will keep uh, these holidays and introduce you to our things, and you guys can have your culture. But as you recognize, they didn't lose a thing. The Roman Catholic Church is still the Roman Catholic Church, still has the same practices. It's still the Roman Empire. They just tried to make it holy or the best way they could, but they didn't lose a thing. Who lost the Christians? Mm -hmm. The false belief systems that are in this world is what we have today. You know, um, Christmas in church, Easter in church, all these different things that they have, um, sitting with backwards collars on. You know, well, I am the head of the church and you guys are the laity, the peons. You guys come and serve me and bring things to me. See, this was a part of that, that Catholic teaching, which they brought into, you know, circles you see today. Yeah. So they said, if you can't beat them, join them. So that's why you have this empire that has the legs of iron, but then you have iron and clay mixed together. Like, what is this? You know, like, what's going on? So they're about to explain it. And whereas, this is verse 41, and whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay... Now, who is known as the potter? Jesus Christ. Exactly. So this kingdom will be part of potter's clay, part of this, you know, what God made. And then there's as part of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Um, and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So this tells you here that there's something about this iron that's not really human, it seems, or it's not really of God. You know, it might be men that are there in it, but these people are also mixed with something else. All right. And this is why he said that the two would be mixed, part of iron and part of clay. What you see today is man trying to make his way to the Lord. And then you have man obeying Satan. OK, so the, the kingdom is going to be twisted. I believe technology is going to be a big part of this. If you guys study transhumanism. OK, when they're trying to put man and animal, man and machine together. This is the whole amalgamating of this iron and clay. There's going to be some that are going to be like people. But remember, in Genesis 11, they tried to break open this veil. 
Remember in Genesis 6, the angels came down and made it with earth women. Well, this is going to be the fulfillment of what they tried to do one time before. The spirit world is going to open. The veil is going to be pulled back. And everything that is going to be in your worst nightmares is going to come over on this side. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus said there will never be another time like this one coming. You know, nor will there be again. Because this is going to be the fulfillment of the demonic kingdom on earth. When the veil gets put back, they got the Hadron Collider. They're slamming atoms together in particles, trying to open up the, um, the uh, portals, open up a veil to let them come across on the other side. Yes, sir. So. And, you know, not to go back to movies, but again, they're telling us these things through movies like Transformers. Even the Ninja Turtle movies, when they try yeah. and say that things coming through other Jeez. portals, mm -hmm. you know, and it's all machines. You notice it's all like spaceships and different things coming through these portals. Like the yeah. They're trying to tell mm -hmm. us that this, you know, that this is what's coming, that's going to come to pass. You know? Mankind is going to be real mixed up. I mean, that's why, you guys ever seen those contacts that they have mm -hmm. with the, you can get like animal eyes, mm -hmm. you can get serpent mm -hmm. eyes or whatever. Well, they're trying to get people used to seeing that because that's how it's going to be in the future. See, once you're conditioned to that, then it's no big deal. But if you didn't see that before, what would you be thinking? Like, oh, wow, look at this guy's eyes. This is why everybody's getting covered from head to toe in tattoos. They're trying to make everybody not look human. Mm -hmm. All right, people are getting implantable horns put on their heads and they're wearing all kinds of stuff. Everybody's walking around naked yes. today. No one has any respect. This is what, what this kingdom is going to be like. It's going to be man mixed with animal and machine. This is why you have X-Men. This is why Wolverine is a super soldier and, you know, he's got the claws and all this stuff going on. They're conditioning people to want this. Because if you start to believe in these superheroes and all this stuff that you watch on TV, and they'll say, hey, do you ever wonder what it would be if you could see through iron, if you could fly, if you can do all these things? And people will say... You know, yeah, I always did wonder. I want to be a hero. This is how it's going to start. But see, the devil doesn't tell people that once you've done that, you're no longer made in the image of God. God can't use you. So there's nothing for you but hell. Because he's not going to allow anything that's not human to come back into heaven. Okay, so the devil tries to defile people by mixing people up. But this is what this seed, this, this is going to be. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a seed mixed with man, then what would that seed be? I think the Bible told us. He will put enmity between his seed and the serpent seed. So for all those people, excuse me, that are not born again, that are not following Jesus Christ at the end, they will be your enemy. I don't care how close they are to you and your family. Yeah. Another deception that they're using along with the X-Men, because you know they always say if you don't want to be a mutant, you just take this pill and you won't be a mutant anymore. Well, that's part of the deception of once you become unlike the image of Christ, he's saying you still have a way to get out of it, which is not true. Once you conform to the image of the beast, that's it. It's a done deal. There is no going back after that. So it is, he's still trying to say that there's a way out when mm -hmm. there is no way out. Mm -hmm. Once you've transformed into the image of the beast, and that's, you take that mark. Exactly. And that's why you cannot believe in once saved, always saved. Because mm -hmm. they're already conditioning people to take this mark of the beast. 
they're already telling people this. They say, if you take it, well, God won't do that to you. He'll, I think they said that in my sister's church, and she got out of there. Because, I mean, you know, God will forgive you if you take the mark. Yeah, he'll forgive you, but he'll send you right to hell. He can't do anything with you at that point because you have gained allegiance to the beast. Mm -hmm. You want to be like the beast in nature, and you what does it say? You'll have the name of the beast or the number of his name. Mm -hmm. So you will be like a beast. Man without God is a beast. The Bible tells us that. So, you know, the uh, quick point is Jesus is going to come. He's going to destroy this final kingdom that is going to be mixed with the woman's seed and the serpent seed. This is going to be the, the final um, battle, you can say, between the two of them. And, you know, for those who want to stick by Christ, we should be out there trying to win anybody to the Lord that we can. Because the point is, is that anybody that is not for God is against him. I don't care how well we know them. Let's go to um, Luke 11. Let's go to Luke 11, yeah. It's time to match it up with the words of Jesus so everyone thinks I'm sane. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? Well, yeah, you read from Luke today. <laughs> this is tired. You must have been out late. So here they are, the serpent seed, uh, speaking against Jesus Christ. So let's go to um, 17, uh, 14, 11 and 14. All right, and it says, he is in Jesus. He was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. So this man couldn't speak all of his life or this kid or whomever. And Jesus called it a demon because that's what it was. So people can be mute just by having demons. And de Jesus is casting this demon out. And the people, and the man began to speak. And then the people were marveled. They, wow. Like, you know, they'd never seen that. But some of them, see, them, the them people, they're always around. This is the serpent seed. Exactly. But some of them said, he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, attempting uh, him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house is divided against a house falleth. Uh, if Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I be... And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. So this is Jesus talking about here then. How can someone that's not of God cast out a devil? Now some people might have seen this in Catholicism and they say, okay, well you just said the Catholic Church wasn't the real church, so how do the priests do it? 
Well, that's that's going into that's exorcism, which means going into agreement with demons. Uh, many of them have picked up this practice where they can actually tell someone, oh, you know, uh, or they can speak to the demon, hey, calm down, or whatever, or I'll give you this, or this will happen, and the demon agrees with them and stops hurting the person for a time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's not the same as casting out a devil where you rid yourself or rid the person of the devil altogether. Only the authority of God can do that and not Satan. Satan cannot cast out Satan. So this is what Jesus is saying. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So as a believer, this is an area we want to be in and strong in knowing how to do this because it shows the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Unless you've seen anybody have demons cast out of them, most people won't believe this. But see, that brings a revealing of something that most people don't know. Most people would look at this and say, there ain't no such things as devil, this or demons, this guy's just acting crazy. But when you see demons cast out or you cast them out, then you recognize, whoa, you know, there really are demons. Satan really does have an invisible kingdom. This stuff is real. But unless it happens to you, all you have is speculation. All you wonder is, well, they might be crazy. I don't think Satan is responsible for everything. He's not. But in considering this case and having demons, yeah, he's, he's very responsible. So this is just telling us here that, you know, if you cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's a revealing of God's kingdom. So why aren't churches doing this? I'll tell you why. Because the serpent seed is sitting in the pulpit. Okay, the serpent seed doesn't believe in the power of God. I don't care how much philosophy you speak. I don't care how much of this you do. If you're not at war with the devil and you're not dealing with demons eventually, you're not even in the war. Okay, because that's the authority given to every believer. Jesus said, he shall cast out devils. He shall speak with new tongues. He shall take up serpents. You know, um, you, you should be able to do these things if you're in the spirit. So this is something imparted to every believer. Everyone that really believes you can cast out devils. And that will make very clear that Satan's seed is in this earth or that demons are really doing things. And this is why the devil told people the gifts of the spirit are done away because they don't want you believing in this. They don't want you knowing that God armed his church. They want you to speculate, oh, well, he's got demons. Let's pray for him. Man, forget praying for him. You can pray, but cast that devil out by the authority of Jesus Christ that was given to you. You know, and, and that's what Satan has done. He's taken the church and he's made it some soft, soaked, sensitive. You know, the church should be at war with the devil. It's not about your feelings. It's about obeying the Lord and being built up in Christ. Christ being formed in you. But everybody's thinking, you know, you sit there and you clap and you sing songs and you see someone pass by and you just, you know, you just smile upon them because they're a child of God. And, you know, it's, you're just supposed to feel good about people. And people got a big misunderstanding of what this thing is about. Love may be the driving force why you cast out a devil, but God never told his people to be timid. He said, love man, you go to war with Satan. And that's the part that's missing. They think by showing love to the person that they're doing something. Man, you got to go against the forces that have these people bound. And this is why Jesus said, um, 
verse 21, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him his all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Now this is talking about a strong man. This is what's in every unbeliever and even in some believers why the Lord can't get to certain parts of their lives. Okay? For an armed man would be, if you tell someone, hey, why don't you go to church with me this Sunday? And then, man, I don't know if that's for me. That's a strong man. If you tell them that Catholicism is wrong and you need to come to Jesus Christ, you know, and, and know him for real. And they say, my grandmother's been in it for 30 years. I'm, I believe that it's the way of God. That's a strong man. Anything that goes against God, anything that keeps people from believing is a strong man that unbelievers are built in. So Jesus is saying here, a stronger than he has to come upon that strong man and get rid of him. Unless you have the power of God, you will not be able to deliver people. I mean, love is only one part of it. The other part is he gave you power. He, what are you wearing the armor for if you're just going to hug people with it? <laughs> you know, you've got to use it. Also, I feel like that's why there's a lot of disbelief right now is mm -hmm. because we don't have the power of God being worked out. And so people don't have, I mean, that was given to Christians as a tool to be able to convert people to believe right mm -hmm. there, the supernatural power in front of them, of why mm -hmm. God is so good. Right. Um, and that's not happening. No. Mm -hmm. People are bound by religion too. That's it. They think by doing religious rituals that they're doing something, man, we got to get in this thing for real, you know? And I mean, uh, we are going to hopefully do this next month. I want to do this next month. We are going to start casting out devils because this is what everybody is going to need to be able to make this happen. You can't go any further without it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a big part of deliverance. Now look at what Jesus said in the next line, verse 23. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So what does that tell you? If you're not on Jesus' side, the only other alternative is you are the son of Satan. All right. Now, some people say they might be nice, but, you know, they don't they don't really get into religious stuff. Listen, either you believe in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior or you are the son of Satan or daughter. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We've got to come to that reality. We've all been on that side of things and the Lord has changed our lives. But if you're not serving Jesus, you are on Satan's side. I don't care if you're somebody that doesn't engage on either side. You're still of Satan. Why? You're not helping the kingdom. Not one bit. If anything, you're probably trying to show people things independent of them both, which still puts you on the devil's side. And just like when Moses came down from the mount and he drew a line because of how they were worshiping, he says all this, you know, on the Lord's side over here, and if you're not over here, and what happened is that the earth opened up and they swallowed it. That's right. And that's exactly how Elijah came. Elijah said, how are, you, how are you haughty between two opinions? If you're with God, follow him. If you're with Baal, follow him. Mm -hmm. And the people answered him not a word. Why? Because people don't want to be involved. They don't know what they believe. And I think part of that is our fault because we should be teaching the truth. Mm -hmm. People should know, man, the, the presence of God should be strong. We should have no fear. We're on the winning side of things. We already just read that Jesus is coming to destroy this image. So you've got the King of Kings, you've got the Lord of Lords, you've got a God that death, hell, and the grave are afraid of. 
They do what he tells them to do. They're afraid of him. The winds obey God when he speaks. Jesus can defy metaphysical things by walking on water. I mean, so God is not confound to this world. We've got a real conqueror in Jesus Christ, and we're afraid to speak up with him. I mean, something's got to change. If we're really on the side of Christ, we should have no fear of the devil or anything he wants to do. Sure. You know, and we've got to recognize that we're supposed to walk the way that he walks. Well, and the well, reason why God is not going to show his power to some of us because we're not at war. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're not at war, what is he going to give you something to fight with then? If you're going to sit home and eat Cheetos, you know, lay on the couch, you know, watch TV. He wants you out there speaking, mm -hmm. telling people. I know that the devil will tell us sometimes, and the Bible does say, be wise as serpents and be harmless as doves. So we have to be careful in some ways we do things. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. But, you know, if the Lord, if you can feel the Lord in your gut, because that's usually where he responds. If you feel the Lord in your gut telling you, man, say it, say it. You know, I don't care anything, but speak. And you, you know, I don't want to lose my job. You know, I don't want to get, I don't want to lose my friends. You know, and that stuff, man, obey the Spirit of God. Because you see, there are two types of people. There's people that know that they're on the side of Satan. And then there are people that don't know what they believe. There might have been even people that believe, but they're not sure. So if you speak up and shine that light, you know, someone else may stand up with you. Like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Perfect. You know, but we're afraid to engage the enemy. Then how do people get free? And to be a part of that remnant because you don't know who else is around you, but the Lord does. That's right. And I think that, you know, the Lord has put me out of place considering what's happened recently. Mm -hmm. Where I'm just going to try. What have I got to lose now? Yeah. I mean, you know, the devil's taking things from me. Good. Let him take them. But this is the time to prove your God is in time of need, in time of trouble. Mm -hmm. What other time would you show faith? You're going to show faith as he's giving you? <laughs> you know, what about when you're not having? Where's your faith now? What are you going to stand on? So this is why we need to really get built up. What's that? Use him as your crutch. Exactly. You know, and he said that we are his battle axe. Yeah. We're supposed to be his battle axe. Some of us have given the Lord a butter knife. You know, a little paper plane to fly, but I'm going to stay over here. We've got to really get in this. The Lord is saying, I mean, and when we get bold in him, the Lord will put you in arenas where you'll be able to speak anywhere. Why? Because he knows you're going to say it. He knows you don't care. You're going to go there and say those words the way that he told you to. I mean, those old prophets, when they proclaimed something in the Lord, they said what needed to be said, and they hit the door. They didn't say, well, you know, just give him, just ask him to come into your heart. And, you know, maybe. No, the Lord said, I told you to go in there and tell him. He's got six months to live for defying me. And they walk right in. You got six months because of this and that. And then they would leave. There was no feeling for the other person. If the Lord told you to say something, you say it. I'm not saying we can't have feelings when we say it, but be guided by the Lord. Some people get saved by you preaching them damned, preaching them lost, preaching them going to hell. Okay, and other people, you can tell them about the love of God and they will come. So there is no ideal way to win people to Christ. Obey the spirit of God and he'll tell you exactly what to do. But one thing we cannot have is fear. Y'all going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say that's why, you know, 
the trials and tribulations is where our faith is tested and proved. That's right, on the yeah. battlefield. Yeah, I mean, because when we're broken and fall upon Christ, then he can fix us. Because think about it, if Nathan had gone in there to David and just said, Oh, David, you know, just repent and everything will be fine. No, he went in there, thus saith the Lord, because... David had already been on the side of the Lord when he sinned. Right. Yes, he, you know, the Lord fixed him, but he had to go through a certain uh, judgment period because of what had happened. Mm -hmm. Because the Lord had already done things through him. It wasn't the other way around where he had been fallen and then he was fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, we are on the fallen side and are being fixed. But again, once we get to a certain level of that perfection there is no more going back into sin because like man we're on fire the Lord's telling us to go out there you have to go forward right Matthew 10 also I was going to say when you are talking to people wanting to preach the gospel make sure you listen like you stay patient and listen to them first instead of getting on your emotions and just shouting at them like you know scripture listen first so you can discern what scripture to use that will actually reach them so that way you know what approach that's why i said obey the spirit because you nor i knows when that time is or what to say yeah you know you have to yield to what the lord is telling you to say and if the lord tells you to go there and you know say whatever you say it just like he told you to Mm -hmm. that's hard but i noticed that once you let it go it will flow the words will come sometimes it's almost like that I want to say something, but you know we should have something where we practice how we how we do this kind of stuff you can. with each other. Well, I know, but for me, I like right to out practice. Right here on the street. <laughs> no, like because you've been talking about like going out and like uh, preaching to people on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never like fully like experienced that besides like in my life. But never just randomly like going out with a purpose. But mm-hmm. I think it would be. Uh, very good learning experience. We'll do it the group, see how it's done, and then do it, practice myself, and like give each other feedback and be able mm-hmm. to kind of like work as you know the kingdom of God together to do it. Because I make it clear to talk to at least one person every day, even if it's over the phone or something about the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, going to the store, you may engage someone mm-hmm. a few words here and there. Yeah. They'll say something, yeah. you say something, and it's like, hey man, you know, um, if you accepted Jesus Christ, I don't care anymore. You know, it's like one of those things mm-hmm. where. If he's telling me to do it, then do it. But when you start standing on a corner speaking, I mean, you know, hey, you got to know that the Lord is with you because you're going to meet opposition. Yeah. Everybody's bad when your mouth is closed. Mm-hmm. And you think this is a loving world when your mouth is closed. But once you start talking about Jesus in public, you're going to find out quick that this world belongs to Satan. It's like the saying, closed mm-hmm. mouths don't get fed. That's right. That's exactly right. All right, Matthew 10. Let's start at verse 1. And it says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power, that's um, exousia right there, against unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So what he would heal the sickness and disease with, that's not authority, that's dunamis, even though they didn't talk about it. But authority is, um, you know, power also. Mm -hmm. But it's it's authority. Verse 2. Now the names... I don't want to go there. Let's go past that. The 12 disciples. Alright, so we go into um, verse 5. These 12... These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles. Go not in the way of the serpent. Go not in the way of the world. Mm -hmm. 
okay, and enter any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. Why? Because the Samaritans believed other than what God teaches. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So this was a, a commandment that he gave to those who didn't know the ways. All right, and as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script uh, for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor uh, yet staffs, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So the Lord tells you here, now this is real faith. You're going out with no money, okay, and no protection, nothing else for you. This is when you go out totally believing the Lord, and he will provide everything for you. This is a level that the disciples got to eventually. All right, so it says, um, verse 11, And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in, who in it is worthy, and there abide till uh, ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. So the Lord is telling you here, if you had to go out and preach and we had to be at distance and do other things, and you went into the um, world, let's just say you go into a town, you knock on the door, and these people seem very receptive of Jesus Christ, make your peace there. Hang out as long as you can. Talk to the people. You know, fellowship, teach. But if they be not that person, he's saying, man, dust off your feet and move on. Like, you know, all right, well, take your peace with you. If you want to mention Jesus and they want to argue, don't argue back. Just leave. You know, so, see, Jesus is not keen on going after those who don't want him. You know, it's one thing to not know of Jesus and he presents his truth to you and you accept it. It's another thing that if you he's presenting himself to you and you say, no, Jesus never begged somebody to come back. He never asked anybody to walk back with him and, oh, come on, why don't you just try it again one more time? No, the Lord is, oh, you don't want me? Well, anyway, let's go, guys. You know, we got other stuff to do. But he didn't care that. I'm not going to say he didn't care, but he understood what dangers can come to a believer following an unbeliever trying to get them to see the truth. Some people have already made their allegiance. I'm the serpent seed. Mm -hmm. This is where I want to be. I like the world. I like what I do. I don't want what you have to offer. Let them be. Because mm -hmm. you can find yourself in real trouble. Remember what he said? If the salt has lost its savor or leave them or unless you be trodden underfoot. So if you keep bothering these people, there's a chance they may hurt you. Sarah Ryan and I found that out the long way, the hard way. But that will happen. You try and minister to people at work and let's just say they don't want to be bothered with you and you keep on asking. Eventually they'll say, you know what? I'm going to go to human resources because I'm not trying to hear what they have to say. And they'll get you fired from your job. All right, or they'll want to press charges on you for violating their, their religious beliefs or rights. So the Lord is telling you, hey, you minister, they don't want you, you move on. Yep. All right. Um, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that city, I mean that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. He said, don't even take the dust with you. <laughs> Uh, verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. 
So the Lord is saying, hey, I'm going to judge or deal with this situation. You just do what I'm telling you to do. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Isn't that the truth? Mm -hmm. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So he's saying, be wise, know who to talk to, obey the spirit of God to tell you who to speak to. Because there were people I wanted to minister to and the Lord told me, don't bother. That person doesn't want me. That person's already marked. Ichabod is already written on their foreheads, meaning the glory of the Lord has departed. You got to let the Lord be your eyes and your ears and your mouth to tell you what to say, what to do, how to be. All right. Um, but beware of men, for they shall deliver you up to the councils and they shall scourge you in their synagogues. They didn't say scourge you on the street. They said scourge you in the synagogue. So what will be our problem as believers? The religious system. The religious crowd that don't want to hear the truth in Christ. This is this is going on in the church. Yeah. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for the testimony against them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what ye shall speak. So see, you want to yield to the Lord, you want him to speak through you. You never want to use your own words. Verse 21, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father of the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. So what is the Lord telling you here? He just gave us rules of how to deal with the serpent seed. I'm not relating them to wives, husbands, children, fathers, whatever. There's God's seed and then there's the serpent seed. He said, if they don't want the truth, let them be. I'm not talking about a child under a parent's rule. I'm talking about a child that has chosen his way, that wants nothing to do with God. He's saying, let them be, because they will deliver you up. And this is going to be a rude awakening for all these people that want to walk in the love of Jesus. You know, and I don't, I'm saying that comically. I'm not saying the real love of God. God is showing love. Go and speak to them. If they don't want to hear it, what is he telling you to do? You leave. Okay, so this is the Lord dealing with the situation. But with us, we got to feel everything, you know, and this is what's going to damn a lot of people to hell. Or they're going to find themselves behind bars and the child walking up to their parent. Well, Dad, I told you you were crazy. I mean, if you would have just let it be, you know, but you had to keep coming. So you're going to jail. Why? Because that's not your son. That's the serpent seed. Okay, that's turning people in. That's not of God. Now, can that person find the Lord later? Yes. But the point is, if you don't hearken unto the voice of the Lord, you're going to find yourself in bondage. Yeah. I just had a question on that. Because yeah. um, you did answer part of my question that if, if it is a serpent seed, they can still be saved. But um, them being marked by the beast, mm -hmm. is that like saying serpent seed, like choosing that side? They yeah. can't go back? Yeah, once you accept the mark, that's it. That's your allegiance to the beast. And I believe that this chip that they implant in you will be part beast. So you can't pray. You won't be allowed to pray. Can you explain the mark of the beast more? Because I don't. We're going to go into it in the okay. study. It's coming okay. up in a few okay. minutes. But, um, yeah, Jay? I was going to say, it's, has anybody in here seen the movie The Fifth Wave? Mm -hmm. It's similar to that. Mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, they have the chip in the back of the neck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, this is it. So, so they're telling you about it right there. Mm -hmm. So these words are in red. Jesus said there will be parents 
and parents turning in their kids. Yeah. You know, and, and I know the way that the enemy is going to play this. He's going to play on emotion like he always does. You're going to have someone come to your house. Hey, Christina is, um, she's, you know, she's involved with a very powerful cult. And they go against the people of God. And, you know, what we're going to do is um, we really would like to help them. If you can just tell us where they are, we, we want to help them out. And the parent, you know, soaked in their feelings, not seeing through spiritual eyes, not believing like you because they told you to leave that a long time ago. What are they going to say? Oh, yeah, um, he lives at such and such. Then they'll call you on the phone while they got you. Honey, they're just trying to help you out. You're going to be fine. And you're like, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's going to be, yeah. You know what? Uh, something you brought up in last week's study about, you know, not being able to discipline your kids anymore. Because you see that also here is the children shall rise up against their parents. Mm -hmm. Well, Satan's already conditioning that to happen through you right. not being able to discipline your kids right. in public or, you know, like you said, DHS mm -hmm. was originally for abuse. Mm -hmm. But now any kind of discipline you do, they will take you in. So, I mean, what's that going to do? As soon as you go, you know, to even bring, they're going to use that as a form of discipline. They're saying, oh, well, they're trying to present Jesus Christ and I don't want to hear it. Here they come. Oh, yeah. Well, even in school, the acting out is the cool thing to do, mm -hmm. being rebellious. Yeah, and now they got, now they got rap music playing in schools now for the kids and all that. What are they trying to do? Soothe the savage beast. You see, the animal that God is trying to make right with him. But this is what they want kids to do. All right. So it says in verse 22, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So, you know, for those that endure, believing in Jesus Christ to the end, they're going to be okay. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye unto another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the city of Israel till the Son of Man uh, be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant of his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid uh, that shall not be known. Will I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So the Lord is saying, you know, with my, if I'm speaking to you because you want to hear it, man, you multiply that. You go out to the street and you tell people what I said. If I speak to you, you know, in dark, you know, just you and I, you go out and make light to the world because that's why I gave it to you. But it's making clear the servant is not above his Lord. This is what churches don't preach. And this is why people don't try and have Christ formed in them. I mean, you'd never believe how much of the serpent seed is in church. I mean, you guys would really be shocked if, if God was able to reveal to you all the people in there that don't believe. They're just religious. All right, um, verse 28. And fear them not which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, does this sound like love to you? Does this sound sweet? The Lord is saying, man, if you're going to fear someone, you better fear me. 
All right, never mind those people out there. You do what I'm telling you to do. I'm giving you the authority to go out and preach the word and tell people. But he's saying you better fear him who has who can put you in hell or heaven. Forget about dying. Dying is nothing to him. You know, death is only the beginning. All right, are not two sparrows sold uh, for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are, the, um, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. This is why we cannot have fear. You get a good report by confessing Jesus Christ. Jesus turns to the Father. Dad, he's with me. Okay, so you want a good report in heaven. Then it says, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. So this is Jesus Christ here, the Prince of Peace, saying he didn't come for peace. He came for war. Why was the Son of Man manifested? For what reason? To destroy the works of the devil. Okay, it wasn't to feel all fuzzy inside. So we got to get realistic in our in our Thank you. view, right? Thank you. you know of Jesus Christ. He said, "I didn't come for peace. I came for war." Now look at what he came for. I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. So look at this. This thing is going to cut down the middle. Here you got the seed of the Lord and you have the seed of the serpent living in the same home. Okay, you got all this stuff going on. And this is why, you know, that we have to see things through spiritual eyes. If we can win family to Christ, win them to Christ. But, you know, at some point, if they don't want Christ, you're going to have to let them be and let the Lord work on them. Because, you know, I heard Gary Price um, teach a study. And I thought it was awesome. It was called Joy and Pain. If you guys get a chance, look that up. But he said that there are some people that the Lord wants to bring to, to him. Okay? And, but he won't let it happen because you keep getting in the way as trying to block or to help or to, um, what's the word, enable. Mm -hmm. The Lord is saying, okay, they don't want me. I'll deal with them in my time. You pray. But that person is going to go through a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of things in life they didn't have to go through. But this is the way that God may forge a vessel and get people to believe. So when a person doesn't want the Lord, you know, let the Lord deal with them. When they get sick of running for their life, when they get sick of being strung out on drugs, you know, when they have so many experiences in life that they can't get right, then they'll have an understanding that I need God. But until that point, they will not see it. Okay, so this is why, you know, the Lord may not act on our behalf because we're too busy trying to protect, which is a natural thing for a parent or husband or whatever. But there comes a point where the Lord may say, you know what? Cease from praying. Leave them alone. I'm going to deal with this person. And I know because I was that child. I was in the church. I was doing all this stuff. I ran away from it only to find myself, like I said, running for my life. Dealing with stuff I didn't have to deal in. Dealing with all kinds of hurt and pain. I mean, if I could tell you guys some of the stuff that the Lord took me from, you know, people would probably pee in their pants. I mean, hearing these stories. But he brought me through all of this 
Why? But it took me to want to call out to him. Why? Because it was just him and I. I was someplace with nowhere to go, just me, and now I'm, oh Lord, if you're really out there like I believe you are, can you save me? Can you save my life? And he came to me and put me on the path. But it's going to take people going through real hardship in life. All that stuff can be avoided. But because you want to go and live your life and you think you know, you watch what trouble comes in your world. Yep. You're going to wish you gave your life to Christ. And what's unfortunate is if you stay on that road long enough, you may never get that chance to come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's a scary thing. Okay, so he says, um, Southern, uh, let's see, man's foe shall be they of his own household. Verse 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So there has to be a trade-off. Somebody's got to go so Jesus Christ can live. This town ain't big enough for the two of us. Somebody's got to go so somebody can come in. And when God comes into your life, he's going to make you whole. He's going to make you brand new. But it's also talking about, um, you know, father, mother, son, or daughter. I hate to keep going here, but you guys recognize that the children of Israel did not go into the land of the promise because of family, because of that serpent seed, because of that seed of unbelief that, you know, what, what did they tell Moses in uh, Numbers 14? Read it in your spare time. But it says, oh, well, would God have us, our children, to be out here to die? Or would he leave us where we are? Why? Because they didn't believe God. So because of those, the serpent seed that died in the wilderness, he had to wait for a whole generation to be born and raised up to go in and take the land. Mm -hmm. So God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of son, mother, whatever you got in this world. If you're of the serpent seed, he will deal with you. But the fact of the matter is his mission cannot stop. The glory of God, the work of God has to go through no matter what. And you can't allow the serpent seed to hold you back. You've got to go forward in what he's calling you to do. Because those disciples, if you didn't walk with them, believe me, you were left. Yeah. All right? You can either walk with me or not. But you've got to be in. He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth the righteous man in the name of the righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So when you speak these words in the Lord, you know that Jesus Christ is speaking with you. If they receive you, they receive Christ. If they receive Christ, they receive the Father. It's that simple. The authority goes all the way down. But if they don't receive you, then they don't receive Jesus. Let it be. There's only something that he can handle anyways. You know, stop wasting your time screaming to the walking dead, trying to talk to them about Jesus. They can't hear you. Okay? They're, they're in the world. They have worldly eyes. I'm not saying don't preach. I said don't continue to talk to those people if the Lord told you to move on. Mm -hmm. That's a witness against them. You don't want the truth? Okay, fine. Let the Lord deal with you. You look at even, um, I want to make a quick point with um, Judas and Peter. You know, they were, they were both, you know, I heard a pastor saying it's true. 
they were pretty much the same guy. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus, but he repented. So there's always a chance to get it right with the Lord, you know. But you need to make that decision and, and, and take that walk with him. But technically, Peter and Judas were the same guy. But one repented and made right with his sin. The other killed himself. Why? Because he didn't want God. Okay? He never believed. He never wanted to be in it. I believe Jesus said, I chose 12 of you and one of you was a devil. John 6. What time is it? I don't want to go overboard again. I know we started late today, though. Huh? Since you have a watch, huh? Yeah, this ain't for keeping time. Oh. <laughs> just for luck. Uh, huh? I said just for luck. Yeah. People are like, mm-hmm, you hear it? <laughs> John 6. Yeah, thanks. And the serpent seed, I mean, they walk among us. You'd be surprised who's of that seed. Well, they're good at deceiving, too. That's right. Seven eighteen. Yeah, we got to I think hurry. they're a good person, but they put on the exterior and all the nice talk that they have. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> See, now, here's a, here's a group here trying to soft-soak Jesus. This is verse 24. John 6 and 24. When the people, therefore, saw that Jesus was not there. Now, this is the mass of people that he fed. You remember, he fed 5,000 not too long ago with two loaves and fishes. He blessed it, and they were he was just pulling the fish, and they just, you know, it was enough to feed everybody. So he says, um, and so Jesus was not there, neither his disciples. They also took shopping, took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Like, well, why'd you come here, Rabbi? They, they're ready to see him. Jesus answered um, them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the, uh, the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. So he's discerning their hearts right here. He's telling them, look, I know you're not here. Because you want Jesus. You're here because you want some stuff. Using him. Exactly. You know, he's not your, you know, holy pimp that you can, you know, or prostitute that you can pimp. You know? But uh, verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that God the Father sealed. Okay, so he's telling them, go after the heavenly things, the heavenly meat, not the earthly meat. All right, I want to go down a little further. Um, all right, verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread uh, from heaven to eat. So now they're mentioning scripture, trying to get food out of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is pathetic. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now remember what Adam and Eve offered. They were offered. There was the tree of life and there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil when they would have been sustained 
by the tree of life, which was Jesus Christ. And this is the serpent seed here he's trying to convince. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he, shall, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine will, mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father, this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but should rise up, rise it up again, or raise it up again on the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at that last day. He's talking about 1 Thessalonians 4. That is the will of the Father. The Father said, go out, gather them. Those who believe in Jesus Christ will die and will be resurrected on that last day. That's the will of the Father, that everyone should be saved. But most people aren't going to go for it because they're the devil's, excuse me, they're the devil's child. All right, verse 41, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. This is so typical of people. You minister to people about Jesus Christ. They could be going through a rough time, can't pay their bills, something's going on medical issue and you tell them you know what give your life to the lord and he'll work it out for you he'll help you and what do they say what is god gonna do for me right now i need a thousand dollars to pay my rent i need this i need that so these people are murmuring they're offended now a christian should not be offended of that they should be encouraged like yeah you know what i need to start praying and doing this and getting it together but those people want a quick fix. Why? They're not in it for Jesus. They're in it for what they can get out of Jesus. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and uh, verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith he came down from heaven? So they don't even believe that Jesus himself now. Now that he's talking spiritually, they want nothing to do with him. Now he's just Jesus. But when they were looking for loaves and fishes, oh, good master, you know, we came to see you here. But now that he's saying, believe on me, well, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? Why? Because they don't want to serve him. Mm -hmm. So this is the carnal mind. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, which is the which is seen the Father. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He's also the tree of life. Um, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may um, eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man may eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give uh, for the life of the world. Okay, so Jesus, you know, this is talking about his sacrifice, honestly, you know. 
is, is sacrificed. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can uh, this man give us his uh, flesh to eat? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink of his blood, ye have no life in you. So you have to have Christ formed in you through and through. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up that last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father um, hath sent me, and I live by the Father, and he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat uh, manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. So he's talking about eternal life. We are living to live again. The only way we can achieve this is Christ being fully formed, nurtured, and grown in us. These things said he at the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? What and, what and if uh, ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So you should try and trade out everything in this world for the words of God to have Christ formed in you, to know Jesus Christ, because this is the only thing that's going to sustain you through everything. But there are some of you that believe not. Now, mind you, this is the 70 disciples, okay, that he sent out in power, in twos, doing the work. But now he's talking about being me and I and you, and they have a problem with it. Isn't it funny how most of us love to go into the world and do what we like to do? We like to celebrate God on our time. But when they, you start talking relationship, how many of us can't set aside a day for Jesus Christ? Well, this is very much what these people are dealing with. All right, so he says, um, does this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up, where was he before, where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus um, and said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And um, we believe that you are that, you are, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so this is the whole point. Those disciples walked away. I love to use this point. You go to John 6 and 66. They walked no more with him. So these people had chosen to not walk with Christ. What is the mark of the beast? 666. But it's funny how in John 66, 
they decided not to walk with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So they chose their allegiance to the beast. When Jesus spoke about having a relationship and being in him, they said, man, this is hard. So they only were in it just for things. So Christina's point, again, is valid because they talked about how some would be offended. You know, um, if when they heard the word, it was too rough for them. All right. So Jesus says in verse 70, Jesus answered them, Have I not chose 12 of you, and one of you was a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So not only did Jesus turn away, or the people turn away that didn't want Jesus in the big group, but then amongst his own ranks in the inner circle, there was still an unbeliever there. Judas, think about this. This thing is going to come so fine down the middle that it won't be able to be avoided. I mean, it's going to be for real. Anyone want to add anything? I'm going to finish up. Matthew 13 and 24. This is going to be quick. And after that, we'll go to Ephesians 4, then Revelation 13, and we should be done. Matthew 13 and 24, and it says, Another parable put, put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? So why does it have tares? If I just sown up wheat in the earth, you know, and you see tares with your weeds next to it, how did this happen? That's what they're asking. Uh, 28. Uh, he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto them, Wilt thou then uh, that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Now understand why this is important. The tares and the wheat are growing together. He's saying don't uproot them because they're not really that matured yet, which means what? You know, eventually, God, well, God gives us all a free will. Okay, so people have a right to turn themselves to Jesus Christ and to have it right. I, I, you know, it sounds kind of funny because Jesus knows that a tear is a tear. We don't know that. Okay, we just know that there are some that believe and some that don't believe. But you don't know who's going to become a believer in the end times. Mm -hmm. So this is the Lord seeing it through his eyes about what's wheat and what's a tear. He's saying you won't know that. Let them fully mature so then you know for sure. All right, because if you go after them now... You know, there's somebody young that might be a rebel that might be out there killing and robbing and doing whatever, but may find Jesus Christ and be made right. Mm -hmm. There may be someone there that's weak, that's going to church all their lives, following the Lord, doing all these good things. And one day they get hit with a false doctrine. They decide not to believe anymore. So then what do you do then? So he's saying, let them mature. Let them grow up together. You know, so but he knows who's who's who. 
All right, so it says, uh, he said, don't bother them. Don't pull up the weeds. Just let them grow with the wheat. Verse 30, let them grow together or let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together the first, um, or gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, uh, but gather the wheat into my barn. So he's making it clear at the end of time, the wheat is what he's looking for. He's looking for productivity. He's looking for Christians that do. He's looking for those that are productive in the kingdom, which Christina talked about in the sower, parable of the sower. So this thing kind of goes together, you know, with what she was saying and what we're going into. So the Lord has given us a chance to be productive in his kingdom and be right. If we're not right, I hate to say it, there is a lake of fire. Okay, I mean, and that's the only thing you can do with tares. You can't take tares and make them wheat. You can't eat weeds. Okay, that'll be like eating grass or, or something else. You can't do anything with it. So you got to burn it. So the Lord has given us all time to be made right with him or at the end of time or at the end of your life, you get a first class ticket into hell. So this is why if you know what's right, you do what's right. If you don't know what's right, Learn the ways of that which is right. Ephesians 4 and 22. And we are just messengers to be able to plant the seeds, but we can't actually, us alone, it's not our job to work out those weeds and the tares. It's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God's job. It ain't even our job to, to plant that. them, you know? I well, mean, to deliver the word. Right, deliver the message. Yeah. yeah. It's just like if you were to go to a postman, the post, uh, the, the, uh, What's his name? The mailman. The mailman has no idea, okay, what your package is, nor does he care. He doesn't stick around after you sign it and say, well, you know what, let me wait and see um, what's in the package. You know, or, hey, are you worried about how you're going to pay this bill? No, they drop off the package and they leave. That's how we have to be as believers. What they do with it is their business. If you threw it away, you think he cares? Get right back in his truck and drive He's off. Got a schedule to keep. Exactly. All right, Ephesians four and verse twenty-two. We're almost done, guys. Ain't nobody using that. I here. did. That was a waste of time. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, Nancy. Yeah. All right, Ephesians four and twenty-two. That ye put off converse, well, let's start at 20. That ye have not so learned Christ. If it be so that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off concerning the conversa the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So he's looking for you to be changed in your mind. Your thinking has to change. You have stinking thinking. That needs to be changed. It needs to be corrected. You got to think like Jesus. In order to do that, you have to have the nature. Verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, which is a God, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what is he talking about? Drop the seed of the serpent, pick up the seed of Christ, be made over in Christ. If you use the curse, stop cursing, because it's not of God if you want to accept him. If you're a robber, stop robbing, stop lying. All those things have nothing to do with God. Ask him to change them in you, and he'll change them, and you'll be made whole. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands and thing, I mean the thing which is good, that he may uh, have um, <laughs> he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The word profanity comes from the word profane, which means that which makes a temple dirty. If you curse or you talk dirty, you've got a dirty inside that needs to come out. Okay, so, um, but that which is good is the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you uh, with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even if God, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So that's talking about putting off the serpent seed and adopting the seed of God. John 8 and 44. And Revelation 13, if you guys can get that too. Back hurting, Jake. Yeah. Look at what Jesus says to the religious people. Okay, this is John 8 and 44. They call Jesus all kinds of names. They don't believe he's a, a son of God. They're calling themselves Abraham's seed. So Jesus has had enough. He said, verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you um, con convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Um, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. You can't be more plain than that. Okay, if you can't hear God, then you're not of God. This is why you don't believe. This is why people don't believe. This is why he's saying, don't get hung up on this. When people can't hear you or they don't want to hear you, man, let the Lord deal with them, but move on. Uh, oh, then answered the Jews and said unto him, uh, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory there. I see not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. All right. Uh, and the, then said the Jews unto him, um, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Now, these people are looking in the face of God and calling him a devil. 
Who would do that? The serpent seed. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him, and if I say, and if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not but thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. So he was letting them know that he was the God of the Old Testament, that he was the he was the father of the children of Israel. Okay, Jesus was God. He didn't just come down as a man. He came as a man, but it was the it was God in the flesh. All right, then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out through the midst of them, going through the, went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. So Jesus pretty much by reading this made himself invisible. How do you hide yourself and walk through the midst of them and then so pass by? So clearly he had to, you know, make himself invisible and walk out through them. That's the power of God. All right, let's go to Revelation 13. This is the end result of the serpent seed. In the end of time, there's going to be an Antichrist, which means another Christ or in place of the real Christ. A lot of people or most people are going to take this deal. Why? Because he's going to soothe the savage beast. He's going to make you like who you are. He's going to tell you you don't need to change and you definitely don't need Jesus. Okay, so this is going to appeal to a lot of people so they won't change. But really what you're going to be yielding to is the devil's son. He's going to be Satan incarnate. If you have the nature of the beast, you will accept the beast. Revelation 13 and 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat and great authority. The dragon here is Satan, the beast he's speaking of, is a man and a system and a nature. That's something we got to be clear on. He said it would be like a leopard. That leopard was Alexander the Great, if you read Daniel 7. It means that he would have Greek influence. He would be into Plato and Socrates and all these other people. He would have the nature of the worldly people, the Greek mind. Then it says he'd have the mouth of, a, of the feet of a bear which means that it would be massive. This army, this system would be worldwide. And it would have the mouth of a lion, which would be like Babylon, speaking evil things, speaking of the uh, stuff that they try and get people into now, New Age philosophies and religion and all that stuff. So the devil gives this system, this nature, and this man his power. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, and they gave, and they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, 
Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So this system and this man, people are going to worship. Why? Because he's going to tell them everything that's going to make them feel good, void of the real true God. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things to, and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue three and a half years, forty and two months. So, you know, anytime you hear people speaking against Jesus Christ or talking about him, not wanting to be involved in him, they have the nature of this beast. They have the spirit of Antichrist that Jesus said would come. All right, and it says, uh, verse 6, And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given, given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So the power of this beast is going to be worldwide. And the only ones that are going to be locked outside of this beast system are going to be those that believe in Jesus Christ. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of this world. So we got to understand, those whose names are written in God's book are those who are of God. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is your God and your name goes into the book of life. Now you can do things to get yourself canceled out of the book of life. If you continue in sin, if you continue rebelling against God, your name can be blotted out just as much as it can be put in. Now if you're striving and you're doing well in, in the Lord, the Lord works with us. He has grace to get right and be perfected. But those who don't receive Jesus Christ, your name will not be written in the book of life. It will be a scary time to go up there. You know, everybody, he's naming off names. And, you know, you're there thinking that you're getting in. And he's, you know, Adamson, Adler, this and that. You know, Bueller, whatever. He's going down the line, you know. And then you got people talking about, um, oh, my name is uh, Derek. You know, and they, um, Derek, Derek Hall. Derek Hamilton, Derek, uh, whatever. No, um, Derek, Derek Hallett. Uh, well, sorry, sir. There's no Derek Hallett here. You know how terrifying that'll be? Because you'll look over to your left and see that lake of fire for everyone that didn't believe in Jesus. All you got to do is accept him, believe in him, pray to him, develop a relationship with him. He just wants to be your friend. He wants to be able to talk to you and teach you and tell you things. You know, have you grown up in him and, and accept his gift of eternal life? But for those who don't want it, it's going to be a terrifying day. All right. So those people that don't have their names written in this book are going to accept the false Jesus and they're going to serve Satan. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. So we are not supposed to be violent. We are supposed to have the nature of a lamb. Like Jesus did, he laid his life down. Okay, so we're supposed to be the exact same way. Not to respond to violence. Jesus said, or God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, so he'll fight your battles for you. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like a dragon. So this other beast is going to look all friendly. This is the false prophet. He's going to look all friendly, all loving, and telling everybody sweet sugar gospel messages. 
but when he speaks, he's going to speak like a dragon. And what is speaking like a dragon? It's going to be everything outside of what God is telling you here in this Bible. Exactly. All right, verse 12. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and cause of the earth and them that dwelleth therein to worship the first beast. He said he causes the earth and them that dwelleth in him. Those who believe in this world outside of Jesus Christ, they're going to be worshiping, whose deadly wound was healed. Verse 13. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So he's going to be like Elijah. This guy is going to perform great feats. He's going to call down fire from heaven, and you're going to swear this man is of God. But what did Jesus say? You will know them by their fruit, because you're either of the fruit of Christ or you're of the fruit of the serpent. There's no in-between. Okay. So he says, um, And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which uh, had the wound by the sword and did live. So he's saying for those people, they would have to make an image unto the beast. My personal opinion here, I know there's no opinion in the word of God, but I believe when he says make an image unto the beast, I believe that that image will be man that will be mixed with something. I think that is the iron and the miry clay. I think they are going to be people of Nephilim seed. I believe they will be demon possessed for sure. They will probably have implantable devices in them like a Terminator, okay, or RoboCop or whatever you want to name. And they'll probably be part animal, okay, because they'll be of the beast. So I believe that this is exactly what's going to happen. When he says make an image, that image of the beast, if we were made in the image of God, then being in the image of beast would be everything void of that which was of, of God. So you'll be tattooed from head to toe. Like I said, you'll probably be mixed with something, and you'll, you'll totally have the mark of the beast. And the reason I believe that is, is because this. Verse 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that which as many would not worship the image of the beast, should be killed. So you're talking about an army of, I believe, Satanites. I believe they're just going to be all like Baphomet walking the streets. I believe they're going to be full of certain seed that if you don't worship that image or become like that image, you will be killed by them. All right, so it says in verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. The symbolizing on the hand will be your allegiance to him and it will be your works and on your forehead because you'll think like the beast. Okay, if you have a beast mind, you'll have a beast nature. So this is why the Bible tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds because this one is going to be plagued with the beast. All right, so everybody of the world that's not of Christ will receive this mark and that no man might buy or sell save he had of the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So that says three different things. A lot of people are focused on the mark. If you've got the title of the beast, you're of the beast. Or if you have the nature of the beast, it's the same thing. That's what the six is. Instead of being God in the spirit, Holy Ghost seven, you'll be six. Okay, so that's why they're talking about having the nature of the beast. 
All right, so then it says, uh, verse 18, Here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is three hundred, three six hundred, three score and six. So you would be man, fallen man, degenerate man. You'd be an animal. You would be the, the serpent seed and everything that the serpent seed could be to its full potential. So you either accept Christ or this is the end result. Revelation 19, and we're done. I actually heard my the high school volleyball girls yesterday talking about the devil's number 666. I never even knew that until recently. Mm -hmm. Like, all, like, laughing about it, making, like, jokes about it, but, like, reverting it to evil things, but... Mm -hmm. It's, so it's becoming more known, too. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I mean, this is the coming of Christ. We'll start at verse 7, Revelation 19 and 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ, to come. And his wife hath made herself ready. That means we would no longer have any of the residue of the serpent seed. We would be of the seed of the Lord, the, the um, wise virgins. Verse 8, and to her was granted that she should, oh, I read that, right? No. Oh, and, um, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen of the righteousness of saints, that be of the seed of the Lord. And he saith unto him, right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So this was an angel saying, Hey, don't worship me, worship Jesus. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. This is Jesus Christ. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he knew, and he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. I don't know what that name is. We'll find out one day when he comes. And he was clothed in a vesture, dipped in blood. And his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon a white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them, rule, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. So if we had to go back to Daniel's image, this is that rock that came that destroyed the feet and, and, and broke up the whole image. This is the coming of Christ. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he saw, an, and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all of the fowls that fly, in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourself together unto the supper of the great God, that they may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them.
and the flesh of all men, both both free and bond, both shall and both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and the armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So the world is going to be against Jesus Christ when he comes back. They're going to have their weapons aimed up at him. They're going to try and stop his return. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet and wrought miracles before him uh, with which he deceived uh, them that had received the mark of the beast. So you see, you only get the mark if you're deceived by the devil. And them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of, burnt, of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the, with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. You go down to the end of Revelation 20, we're not going there, but the Bible tells you that every unbeliever will be cast into the lake of fire at the return of Jesus Christ. So this is not something you want to mess around with. You don't want to wait to die to find out that this is true, because there is no second chance at that point. You know, so one thing we want to do is get out of the seed of the serpent and obey the seed of God or be the seed of God that he always intended us to be. Adam and Eve were the seed of the Lord, okay? And the devil came along, he enticed them to do his will, and they became the seed of the serpent. And to be truly born again in Jesus Christ is the only way to have that taken off of your life. Any man that doesn't have Jesus Christ is a beast, okay? And I'm saying it, I don't care what they send me. If you're not of Jesus Christ, you are a beast. You are the devil's child until you are born again in Jesus yeah. Yeah, I got a special request to ask of you, because halfway through the Bible study, something happened in my head, started real feeling real funny, and uh, I don't know what's going on, but I was just wondering if you could pray for me tonight. Yeah, we can do that after whatever, just to um, end it off. But um, I am gonna make the um, I'm gonna say the exact same thing for what we read. You know that it's something that you can't fool around with. You're either of the seed of God or you're the seed of Satan. You know, so if anybody here is unsure of their salvation and they want to know Jesus Christ and they want to make it right with him, you can step forward for prayer. We'll go through a few words. You know, you'll accept him as your personal savior. If not, then I guess we'll just conclude the study. So without further ado, is there anybody here? that wants prayer or want to receive Jesus as your Savior. You want me to come, what? You want me to come up to? You said what? prayer. Yeah, I said if there's anybody, sure. <laughs> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, if it be your will and what our responsibility is in this, if there's anything, Lord, that you need to be done with Sarah and all that she's suffering with, and all whatever hurts and pains or whatever attacks that the enemy has, I'm asking in the name of Jesus right now that it be moved. I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit flow here and you do that which is necessary. In the name of Jesus, I call out anything, anything that is against you, Lord, anything unclean, anything that goes against your people, I call it out in the name of Jesus if there's anything. 
Lord, you know what the issue is. If there's anything that can be done, anything you can do to heal her, Lord, I'm asking that you take it away. In the name of Jesus, I command that it be removed. For you have given your people authority, Lord, and you said no man can do these miracles except God be with him. So I'm asking, Lord, if it be your will, if there's anything here that needs to be done, in your name, Lord, I'm asking that you take it away right now, that you remove it, that it never comes back. For you have made your people whole, Lord, not to suffer of the ways of the flesh because you have made us brand new. Any attacks, Lord, that come upon us, in the name of Jesus, I command that they be removed. Not just here, Lord, but overall. For any that don't want to believe, for any children that abound, for any spirits, Lord, that are keeping people from accepting Jesus Christ, I'm asking that they be taken out of the way. I'm asking that these principalities and powers be moved so that your people can fellowship with you like you had always intended. Lord, do it for your glory. Do it for your honor. That which is necessary, Lord, for the fulfillment of you. For you have all power. You do all things. You are almighty God. And if any spirit be here, Lord, that is not of you, move it out of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, one more time. <laughs> All right? Because the enemy wants everybody to sit here and not believe. Is there anybody here that wants prayer and wants to accept Jesus? Let them come forward. Everybody's good? Everybody's sure? Can I just Everybody's ask for prayer, right? too? Sure. Because in the first half of the study, I felt like, I don't know, there's a blockage. I was not feeling like I could absorb the information. I was, like, really trying, like, following along, but I felt like, I don't She know, felt like, it, too. Okay. You know, I yeah. felt it, too, in the beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I believe it was, it was probably witchcraft or the devil putting a spell against us right now. That's why we got to stay prayerful and pray against it. Mm -hmm. But whenever you have that dilly, dizzy feeling, it's like spells in the air and stuff going on. That's what I felt. Yeah, but that's what, you know, anybody else want prayer? Sure. Yeah. Is it your back? Everything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Heavenly Father, if it be your will, Lord, I'm asking that you take away that which is unright. I'm asking, Lord, that you restore your people to wholeness. Not just mentally, not just spiritually, Lord, but physically. For you, Lord God, can do all things, and you know all things. And I'm asking once again, Lord, that your power be on display here, that it be delivered, Lord, that all things, Lord, that go against your people be removed out of the way. I'm asking that you heal Jake's back, Lord, with everything that he's going through. I'm asking where the pain is present, Lord, that you remove it, because it's nothing that we can do of ourselves. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm asking that your spirit fall mightily right now, that you come upon us, Lord, that you remove these things, for they are not of you, Lord. You want your people healthy. You want your people active. You want us, Lord, to respect the temple, Lord, that all things may be moved out of the way. And I'm asking, Lord, that you deliver your power right now, that you take away that which is unclean. If there's any principality or power, Lord, I demand in the name of Jesus that it go that it be moved, that it has no place here. Lord, you can do these things. It's nothing that we can do of ourselves. But let your spirit flow to anyone in here that needs the spirit. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. Because it's nothing that we can do. 
but we believe that we are vessels that are full of your power, full of your mercy, and every believer, Lord, you said was given the authority. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, whatever's plaguing Jake, whatever's hurting him right now, you remove because you can and because you will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have Christina here with everything she's going through. If there's any blockage, Lord, if there's anything of the Spirit that is not of you, Lord, I'm asking that it be moved. I'm asking that all attacks and principalities be ceased. I'm asking that you take away that which is unrighteous, Lord, for you know all things. Let your power be on display, Lord, everything that you know, all that you can do. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm asking that you bring it forward. Take those things out of the way. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For your spirit is the spirit. You are the living God. There is none but you. You do all things, Heavenly Father. Remove them now in the name of Jesus. Take them out of the way. Take them out of the way. Remove them. Lord, because you can do all things. Lord, if there's any presence here, if there's any spirit, I'm asking in the name of Jesus right now that it be moved. Take it out. Lord, remove it. Go. In the name of Jesus, go. Go. In the name of Jesus, you are coming out. You will get out. In the name of Jesus, I call upon you, Lord, right now, for you have that power. Take it out of the way. Remove it. Oh, Lord, the spirit of rejection, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of unrighteousness. Take it out of the way, Lord. Get rid of it. Move it. You're not going to be here. You don't belong to this vessel. This is not your home. In the name of Jesus, let it be moved. Take it out. In your precious name, Lord, go. Go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, flee from her. You have no place here. Go. 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 In the name of Jesus, go. Let her go, Lord. Free her, Lord. Free her, Lord. Take it out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, go. Go. King of kings and Lord of lords. You will come oh, out. Lord Jesus, thank you. You will oh, go. Come on, Lord. Is there anything else? Any other spirit? Any principality of power? In the name of Jesus, Lord, uproot it. She's a vessel of yours, Lord. And you meant for us to be clean. Remove it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, if there's anything else here, Lord, I'm asking if there's any spirit, anything that goes against your body, Lord, I'm asking that it be moved. Take it out of the way. Lord, you meant for them to be clean vessels. If there's anything here, anything, Lord, that is coming against them, the spirit of unbelief, the spirit of rejection, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of loneliness, all things that go against you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you take them out of the way. Let them be moved. Lord, put your power on display. Let them know. Lord, the devil isn't stronger than you. Remove what needs to be removed. For you, God, can do all things. Let your power flow. I'm calling these vessels out. I'm calling out the demons in the name of Jesus. Let them be moved. Let them be taken away. Go in the name of Jesus. Lord, take away the take away the unbelief. 
Take away that which is not of you. Remove it, Lord. For you, Lord God, can do all things. Free these vessels. Free these vessels. Lord, because you can. You can and you will. We love you, Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Take these things from them. All things that are plaguing, all things that are hurting your people, remove it, Lord, because you can do it. Even if we have to stay here, Lord, it will be done. For your will be done. And that is the way it is. Let your kingdom flow here, Lord. Let everything that goes against you be moved. Make them vessels, Lord, fit for you to use. The devil is a liar. He's out to hurt kids. He's out to take things away. I'm asking, Lord, that you restore them to wholeness. Give him no place here, Lord, for you do all things and you know all things. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, right now I'm asking in the name of Jesus, if there be anything here, anything that needs to go, anything that is not of your spirit, Lord, then let your spirit flow, Lord. For the devil is a liar and he's out to hurt us. The spirit of fear, Lord, the spirit of unbelief, the spirit, Lord, of innocence, the spirit, Lord, that tries to tell us that we don't need God. I'm asking, Lord, that you take it out right now. In your precious and holy name, Lord, if there's anything here, remove it. Because it's nothing that we can do of ourselves. So we call upon your spirit, Lord, to do all things. For you, God, can do all things. And you, God, and you alone. In the name of Jesus, if there's anything here that needs to go, Lord, I'm asking that you remove it. Take it out, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Remove it, Lord. Please, God, because without you, we have nothing. If the blind lead the blind, Lord, we fall into a ditch. So in your precious name, Lord, deliver them from whatever it is that has them. Reveal who these demons are, Lord, and remove them. Protect your people, Lord, because aside from you, we can do absolutely nothing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.